And we are live once again. Microsoft inter interrupted me a little ding there. Um, first time in a month now. Is that right? What, four weeks? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot go on. Um, I myself have gotten COVID and recovered from COVID. That was part of our hiatus. And we had a weekend getaway to the mountains. Weekend then... getaway to the mountains. Were, I, I'm pretty sure I got COVID as soon as we came back. So it was like a perfect storm of just missing episodes because we went on the vacation came back and then and got two week yeah <laughs> yeah it was fantastic loved it um but yeah anyways another episode of beer bacon and bros coming at you live uh as always i'm out i've got chris here to my left adam to my right What's going on? What's up? the boys are in the studio once again feels good to be back after a month we've got a i would lot. say a lot to talk about <laughs> a lot to discuss i feel like we missed a good solid month of just Great topics. Sports, yeah. Sports, beers. beers, just things happening in the world, man. Just things going on. Um, just let us. Yeah. If you, if you join in, let us know what you want us. If we're missing anything, just drop a little chat. What we want to talk about. Um, I don't. Okay. Yeah, we've got. We've let's, got. Let's, I guess let's kick it off. We'll go. Um, All right. So the, yeah, the oldest thing that we were going to cover was the live show from Swamp Cabbage. That happened yeah, we got to go back to the Swamp Cabbage show so, that we did. Back in like part of January, like they were saying, January 10th, we had a live show from Swamp Cabbage where we got to, I guess, try their winter seasonal beers. You know, there was it six on tap that we had? Yeah, it ended up being six. And uh, I'm trying to pull it up on the Instagram now. So, so we had an orange dream sickle. Yeah, that was by far the best. It got the highest scores. Uh, that was my favorite. Or was yeah. that a Duncan Wisen? Uncle Wisen, uh, Red Wheat and Blueberry, Mango Pale Ale, CAE Pale Ale, which is just his natural pale ale. And then um, he gave us some treats. He let us sample the Bald Cypress Porter before it had even released. And then a Coconut Porter, which was one of the many porters that he he, he did. And if, if you didn't listen to the live show or just in listen to this show, like if you haven't heard me talk about how much I don't like coconut, it's it's very obvious I don't like coconut. I just don't like the texture. The, if, if the taste is good enough, I'll it's okay. But I'm never like seeking out coconut. For that to be a coconut beer, and I'm sure the guys can test it. I actually was very happy with that beer. Yeah, it did yeah. overpower you. That was a really well done coconut beer. Yeah, I mean it was at 8.6. It's higher than than many of the beers that you actually or many of the other rate. Like you didn't you didn't rate the CAE Pale Ale that high. You didn't rate um you didn't rate the mango pale ale that high either I mean, <laughs> yeah it, it beat out beers and i'm not even a coconut fan yeah so i mean you yeah that was he a great beer he did, it right. he did it very well and also huge sh huge shout out for them coming out with the triple beer triple b maple, maple bacon, bacon porter yeah so we do we have made, we've got our own beer we have made a we made a brewery <laughs> give us a <laughs> We didn't. We didn't make them. We didn't we make made, them. We no, discussed we, the opportunity with them, and they, they were completely said, on board. Yeah, they were. They obliged. Yes, they I were. Mean, they've they, been more than. They made more a, than awesome though with it. They would made. They made as what we would call, you know, in the, the alcohol world or whiskey world, uh, a small batch. Yeah, yeah. And it's gone really well. They collab yeah. with the old beer bacon book. Yes. Podcast. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, it is very good. It is actually good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we we've, we've heard some people get. When they try the, the beer that we partnered with them on, you get some people get maple, some people get bacon, some people get both. What, what's y'all's opinion on it? I thought it was, I got more of the maple, I got more of the sweet 
than than the bacon. I hate to interrupt you, but a long-time listener and friend of the show is calling oh, in. There he is. Oh, Let him come. Let All him right, come. ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a long-time friend of the show and great listener. Mr. Breezy has joined the show. What up? What's going boys? on, James? How's it been? What's been going good? on? Not much. Glad to have and, you uh, on the show. First time, long time. Yeah, first time, long time. I, I, know, I was, th- I was thinking about it. I was like, <laughs> last time I was on, I think was like back in June. It was been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. It has been a hot minute. James, how tall are you? 5'10". Hey, hey, oh, damn, Chris, Chris, gave, Chris, Chris gave you an extra inch on the 511. I was going to say you didn't deserve that. I thought you were taller than that. He's probably not 245 either. He's probably like 210. I'm going to give him a fullback stats. 225 is about right. 225. Okay. All right, so he's a, he's a uh, uh, not a power five, but a, a group of five outside linebacker. That's what okay. he is at 5'10", five, like, five, <laughs> five, 225. Yeah, you know, I would be if my uh, fat was muscle, but – <laughs> my fat was muscle. <laughs> he's he's a, he's an outside linebacker at uh, at Temple. That that's where he that's where okay. he be rocking. Okay, there, there we go. There we go. Small <laughs> time school, but you know, like I'm I'm still technically D one. There we go. Hey, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Group of five. He, he could even go to like he could be a, a middle linebacker in Northern Illinois in the MEAC playing a little little MAC action on Tuesday nights. Oh, dude, <laughs> I, I miss about that awesome action. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I miss, I miss it's, it's already over, and I'm I'm looking forward to next season. So, so, so James, right before you got on, we were discussing. Um, I don't, I don't know if you've heard yet. I'm sure you have. Hot topic. The hot topic of, of us getting a beer named after us at a local brewery here. So, Swamp Swamp Cabbage, who we've done two shows that uh, has a porter out. We were, when we were doing our show on January 10th, we kind of just pitched the idea of them, you know, maybe testing a little maple bacon flavor with the. Uh, with the porter or something along the lines of, of what the beer bacon bros are looking after. And, uh, and they've done it. Got a small batch. It's on tap. And, uh, yep, we've yeah. all had it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The maple bacon porter. Um, so when we were talking about, I was, I, I was asking them, some people have said you get, they get maple. Some people say they get bacon. Few people have said they get both at the same time. What, do, what are you getting at when you try it? Um, like I said, I was getting more of the maple kind of more of the sweet. So it didn't feel like it was sitting as heavy as a porter. So I was, which was a pleasant surprise with it being, you know, that dark, usually a heavier beer. So it was pretty good, though. Yeah, I, I feel like he, and he kind of meant that for his porter. I mean, his porter's, you know, only in the, the six to seven range. And, uh, and you know, it's just kind of a little more drinkability to the porter than it would be just kind of that dark, heavy, you know, rock your soul winter beer. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I agree with Adam. I mean, more of the, more of the syrupy, like, even just like just homemade what used to be Aunt Jemima. I don't know what his name now, but um, you know, maple maple syrup to it. So I um, you know, that's fine. I mean, I don't I don't know what a bacon beer is really gonna come through as anyways, maybe a little smoky, a little porky, but um but I mean that's what I would think. But I, I just felt like it was a little more maple and, and sugar, which I am not complaining by any means. I'm happy to have a beer named after us uh, and no matter what it tastes like. Yeah. So I thought it was, I thought it was pretty Right now. Go ahead. Um, before before you know we lose games and you guys will do other things because you know he's probably a busy man. Let's discuss. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's discuss um some NFL awards. Yeah, we uh me and James apparently inadvertently got into it a little bit on Facebook about this award that we're going to discuss. 
So well, you know the the funny thing was is when I saw you know in full you know transparency, I'm a Rams fan, and Aaron Donald is definitely my favorite player. So um, is it was it defensive player of the year? Is that yeah. what the award was? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But defensive player like, of the year. That, and when it came to Instagram, you know, obviously adding it to my story, I almost like put a little part in my story ready for uh, Steelers fans to come in and cry to me why TJ should have won it. Because <laughs> he also, and, you know, I, I didn't have to do it. I had I had plenty of Steelers fans the moment I put it up, you know, were like, oh, it should have been TJ, it should have been TJ. And then later that night is when I saw Alex's post and I was like, Oh yeah, here we go. Let's just keep riding this wave. So, so we also, in our like school group chat, uh, our buddy Griff is a big time Steelers fan and he was the first one to post about it in our, in our school group chat. So, I mean, oh, yeah. you and Griff were on the same page where TJ thinks he got, sli- you know, y'all think TJ got slided. And then if you look at just like just the numbers, it is very much one sided towards TJ. Pure yeah, stats. but not, but but not not by a lot though. But go ahead, rattle off stats. Right, so, go ahead. So, I, so TJ's beating Aaron Donald in sacks by twelve uh, tackles by twelve. Sacks is very close, fifteen to thirteen point five. TJ's got the lead on that. Mm-hmm. Tackles for a loss. TJ's almost doubled up Aaron Donald's numbers. Pressures. TJ's got fifty five mm-hmm. compared to Donald's forty two. QB hits. He's almost yeah. doubled up on the. He's almost doubled up uh, Donald again. It's forty-one to twenty-six. Fumbles, forced fumbles. Donald's got the lead on that. It's four to two. He's doubled up TJ Watt. Pass defenses. TJ's got seven compared to one, and TJ's got an actual interception compared to Donald zero. Oh, pass, pass yeah, it's pass defenses, but it's pass deflected. Yeah. No, 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 and you're you're right. All of those stats are good, and they're all pretty much in favor of TJ. Um, but, I mean, it, it really comes down to, like, position definitely definitely matters. Um, and when you look – like, I'll, I'll just quickly go off. Um, there, there was a time in, in this season when Bud Dupree, of all people – was double teamed more than TJ Watt. Like the whole first, like at least like five or six weeks, I think it was. Bud Dupree was double teamed more than TJ. Absolute mistake by whatever offensive coordinator is, you know, <laughs> saying Bud Dupree is the one we need to double team or whatever quarterbacks, you know, or centers, you know, trying to scheme out the, the block pass. But nobody's ever going to confuse Aaron Donald as. Or should we double team him? That man's gonna be double teamed seven out of ten times, if not more. So right there alone, like you can expect like a little downtick. Um also, you know, JJ or TJ is on the edge. So he's always gonna be having, you know, to that point, always gonna have more one-on-one opportunities. And edge rushers generally are the ones with higher sacks. Um and I think it's been one thing people have really started to look at defensive player of the year and they look at the stack leader and think, you know, that's who should be the winner or INT leader. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that goes on without those that are probably more important, if not just as important. 
<clears throat> Go ahead, Chris. Well, right. So this 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 falls in the same category as what I've always and y'all have listened to me say this so many times, but I don't know how often we've said it on the podcast. This falls in the same category of the Heisman Trophy and how it's awarded every year, where a fan mm-hmm. base like college football fan base thinks that the Heisman Trophy should go to the best player in the country, and it's given to the person that has the most outstanding season in the country, right? This is the defensive player of the year. This is should be solely based on this year and your performance and production in this year. And I think that Aaron Donald is just a – well, he's I, not even a question. He's the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL. And, he, and people argue that he's the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL in the history. And the guy's only been in the league for like six or seven years. But this is, this is a, a case where I feel like – this award went to the person with the biggest name more than it went to the person that had the best season, right? Because no matter what position you play in and Aaron Donald in a three technique or zero, whichever one he's going to play on that play still has just as many chances to deploy the pass as TJ Watt does. And, and TJ's got seven to his one. Yeah. TJ's got an interception and I'm not asking Aaron Donald to have an interception as an interior defensive lineman, but I would expect that he's right there in the sacks number, which he is. The thing that's the thing that's troubling, though, if you're a interior defensive lineman, and whether you're a pass rusher or a run stopper, you should have more tackles for loss than T.J. Watt. And not only did he not have, you know, as many, like if it was twenty to twenty-three, okay, that's fine. Just like it's thirteen and a half to fifteen, but he is almost doubled. It's twenty-three to twelve. Right. That's that's a significant difference. T.J. should beat him in tackles. He's a, he's an exterior or he's an outside pass rusher. He's coming around the edge, yeah. It does drop into coverage here and there. So he's going to have more opportunities on the edge for more tackles. But, again, that's a category that should be close. And I think 53 to 41 is fine. That's that's close. The tackles for loss, the pressures, the QB hits, I mean, those are categories where they should be close. And you're talking about 23 to 12, 55 to 42, and 41 to 26, respectively. That's where I do agree with Alex in this scenario where T.J. Watt – Kind of got, kind of got snubbed. Yeah, he got, he outperformed Aaron Donald this year, and it's the defensive player of the year based in this year. You're talking about like I get you're saying like Aaron Donald was more, he was covered more, covered, he He's was double team and stuff like that. Yes, I won't, I won't deny the fact, but for him to only have 12 tackles for a loss in the entire season, yeah, and then TJ double them up if somebody's coming around the edge. If, even if they're running the ball, they're most likely going to be running it towards Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean, you could make yeah, up the, the point that you're going to run, try to run inside. But do you think offensive coordinators are really scheming runs over to Aaron? And if if they are, you don't think that there's at least four hands on him? That's that's what I'm saying, dude. Like when you, when you look at how much double teams he's going to pull, like and and this is another thing, like at. For defensive player of the year, I think it goes way beyond stats. You got to see like how it benefits like other people because like I mean the Steelers front four this year was what Stephon Tuitt, Cam Hayward, Bud Dupree, and TJ. Well, like, Bud Dupree, Bud Dupree actually Bud Dupree, part of the year. Yeah, because yeah, he, he went to his ACL, ACL, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and Bud Dupree's being double teamed more because Bud Dupree is an every down pass rusher before TJ had to become that when Bud Dupree went out. Right, so that's 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 where when you talk about Bud Dupree being double teamed as much, I mean, but Bud Dupree is a is a better pass rusher. He's actually been regarded as a top five free agent as far as the pass rush goes. They're looking at Tennessee as somebody that's really going to throw a lot of money at him to try and get him out of Pittsburgh. But 
that's another. Yeah, I'm actually reading an article about that right now. Yeah, Tennessee's apparently going to go all in on well, trying to get Bud Dupree. Yeah. My 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 roommate's a Tennessee fan, um, so I I oh, count oh. them as my second team because it's a gentleman's agreement that as long as the Rams aren't playing the Titans, you know we're diehard fans for the other the other team and we'll hate each other's division equally. Um, and I kind of <laughs> hope they don't do that because I, I don't think Bud Dupree is really that good. I think he, he benefited this year, but I think it's, it's going to be one of those scenarios where, uh, you know, an edge rusher has a good season or like a pretty good season and someone's going to overpay and it's going to outperform. And especially since the Titans, you know, signed Jadavian last year. And Jadavian did nothing. I don't even know if Jadavian had a sack this season. Well, welcome to the story of Jadavian Clowning in the NFL. But, yeah, oh, but so let me let me <laughs> throw another thing out there for you, James. Yeah, because I got I got I got some more for you as well. Okay. TJ played one less game than Aaron Donald, mm-hmm. and he still had that much of a gap on some of the I would say more important statistics for somebody that plays on the defensive line. So I mean, like how how does Aaron Donald? Say you know, so TJ TJ played one less game than me, but he almost doubled me up for, for tackles for a loss and all these other categories. He had such a big lead, like it's I, I, it's hard to I don't know, man. It's just it's really hard to argue for Aaron Donald. Like, yeah, I get he's double teamed and stuff like that, but if he so was then, double teamed that much or triple teamed or whatever, like it's just I don't see that making that big of a difference for there to be this much of a gap on some of these statistics. The only the only thing that I could see and James hinted at is if you're now that sole player is you you are now scheming your offense to avoid that individual. So like if at one point in time when Richard Sherman was the top corner like you were scheming your offense to not throw to that side of the field. So if now all of a sudden, if the left side of the offensive line or the left side or right side of the offensive line is out of action because of where Aaron Donald lines up, and now I'm using half the field, makes sense. And he's still getting double teamed. Same thing for TJ. If now all of a sudden I, I'm not running over there, or either I'm not going to pass in that direction, and you're cutting off part of the field because of that. I, th- I mean, I think I think there's more coordinators, and I think there's more coaches out there thinking Aaron Donald can be that um, that playmaker. And the fact that like it don't matter if I put two or three guys on there, if I run at him, he has the potential to make the play. It actually is the opposite. So this this year, people have ran at Aaron Donald more with double teams, like James has been talking about, because they realize he has really kind of molded himself just to be a pass rusher. So. What they, what they actually realize is getting two guys or even three guys with a little bit of help, they'll, they could actually move him out of the way and open a gap to run by him. In a sense. So more, you kind of just steal him out of the well, way. Yeah. yeah, I mean, of, of course that's going to happen because, I mean, think the, the difference of that is, and, I, and, and there's other arguments against how Aaron's actually not – how he's still actually good against the run. Like, he's not going to make the tackle, but he's going to disrupt the play, which – um, and I, I'll get to into this. I'll get into the, this in a second about um, you know stats that um, you know a lot of people don't look at, or you know scenarios people don't look at, and you know the those like quote unquote hidden stats. Um, but I mean, it's it's easier to move Aaron Donald on a run block because think you're pushing forward. So if you got two guys like or three guys pushing him, like 
as strong as Aaron Donald is, and the man can bench like 500 pounds, like you're going to yeah, be having moving two backwards. Guys, having two guys push uh, on you that are right three, and what, then twenty five. The difference is, is, yeah, you know they they yeah, at least in the th- close to three hundreds. If like, yeah, I feel I mean, like you're NFL, looking you at definitely got to be. 650 pounds, 675 pounds on Donald's what? Donald's probably not 300. He's probably what? He's, he's 310, 315. Is he that big? I don't. smaller than that. I was going to say like 285, 290. Yeah, I was thinking he was in the 280s. Let's see. He's 284. Okay, yeah. So you're looking at, you know, 675 pounds versus 285 pounds. I mean, I, you would typically give the edge, especially on, the, like you're saying, on a run block to those two individuals. And depending on what it is, you could have a tight end or, or either a tackle, you know, throw that one arm out there, kind of chip them the first time, or, you know, there's some kind of other contact that is he's, he's getting bumped around a lot more than I think the, the outside guy could be, even though TJ is probably facing the tackle and the tight end. Tight end's not 320 pounds. Tackle's probably 330, but that tight end's 285, you know, just as only probably got TJ Bob 30 pounds. How big? Yeah, but it wasn't TJ's six foot four, 250, 240, sorry. Yeah, so I mean, you're looking at tight end is probably 270 tops, 260. But he's not going against a tight end every time. He's going to be going against tackles and stuff like that. Yeah. Listen, whether it's a role player or pass play, he's, gonna be, he's either going to be getting double teamed by a tackle on tight end or he's going to be on a, on a tackle. Yeah. Just because of the scheme that Pittsburgh runs. Yeah, I mean, I no. Um, you're like, right. Like, like, you talk about Aaron Donald. So, this is the thing that I, James, and you'll get to this. This is the thing that I pitch to Adam a little bit. I think Aaron Donald. Don't get me wrong, he's the best interior defensive player in the country, or in the NFL at least. I think Aaron Donald, is his stats this year suffered from the loss of not having Indominus Sue beside him. Because I do think that when Indominus Sue was in the interior with him... You had, had two of those guys to try to figure out how you're going to scheme against. You had to figure out how to block those two with three guys, right? And, they, right. and that's where Aaron Donald led to a 20-and-a-half sack season. And I feel like Aaron right. Donald benefited from that because especially when he was playing with Ndamukong and Sue, Aaron Donald was a lot younger in his career compared to Sue. Yeah. And everybody knew they had they had to stop Ndamukong and Sue. Aaron Donald was still somewhat of that more like unknown kind of question mark. And obviously no, he put the name for himself. I, I wouldn't say that because AD yeah. was coming off his first defensive player of the year at that point. And he had been in the Pro Bowl at that point for like four or five seasons. So it's not that people didn't know him. It was just – you didn't know which way to pick your poison, really. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad y'all brought that up because that's that's a great point into one of my other points. Um, outside of Aaron Donald, who else on that line do you know? Like, there's not anyone really. Leonard Floyd, like, yeah, he had a yeah. good season. But, again, but going back to Bud Dupree, like, I, I feel like that's just benefiting. Um, now, TJ definitely is on the better front fours. Like, his the line that he's going up with, like it's much harder for people to defend that line because sometimes you might want to double team Cam Hayward or you know Stefan to it. Like there's a lot more pressure going other way, so TJ is definitely going to benefit and get better looks based on that. 
don't um, think anybody's whereas, double, double team an old ass Cam Hayward unless it's a run play. I mean, let's, yeah, let's, unless it's a run play, like, but you know, still, not still, like, I mean, there. what what front four would you be more worried about overall? All four players, like the Rams or or. Yeah. Well, I mean, from a from a defensive scheme, like trying to figure out how to beat them, I would agree with you. Yeah. You're you're gonna take the Steelers front Steelers front seven in general, at least, over the uh the Rams. Yeah. Like, like I'll, I'll give I mean, you that. And and the the Rams, I, I think they have a good line. I don't but Aaron Donald is definitely the foundation of the defense. And I think another part where TJ kind of loses a little bit like not that I wouldn't say that he's not the foundation of the Steelers defense. I just don't think he drives the defense nearly as much as AD drives the Rams defense. But yeah, I mean the right. Rams defense this year's started started and pretty much was like completely driven by what AD was doing. And like they clearly showed in the Green Bay game in the playoffs like when he's not out there how much more different that defense looks. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Like, it, it again, you're you're talking about star power. You're not talking about the the player of the year. No, no, you're not talking yeah. about the uh, guy. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me get into – so if you look at PFF, um, their pressures – like, so this is, this is where, like, I kind of don't like the NFL, like their stat keepers because, like, what, they said TJ had 55, right? Yeah, he had 55 tackles. 55 tackles, yeah. Well, what was, what was his pressures? What they say his pressures were? Uh, I think it was in the twenties, if not lower. Okay, yeah. So twenty three. I think was it twenty three? Twenty three. Twenty three pressures. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull look up. Look up. Uh, PFF pressures, because hold on, I'll pull it back up. Um, so who is PFF? Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus. And like those, like. I, I used to kind of be anti-pro football focused when they were young because I was like, who are these guys? But then when you kind of like look into them more, I'm like, okay, they, these guys really know what they're talking about. And they basically rate values of players based on name and, and statistics and performance and, and their performance versus other highly rated pro football focused players. So, again, this is more so talking about a, a namesake than it is like – this is one of my biggest arguments that I'd like to, I'd like to actually hear James' honest opinion on is mm-hmm. if instead of talking about T.J. Watt, let's say we're talking about J.J. Watt, and that's J.J. Watt stats versus Aaron Donald stats. I I, I don't think so, honestly, because it, like and this <laughs> isn't just me like blindly sticking, but like the thing is is like I, I honestly think position position is going to be one of those key driving factors, and if you had like Right, some of those statistics are kind of more lopsided to to TJ, but I mean, uh, I would still say if, if if it was JJ with those stats, I I still think the edge would end up going to Aaron just because of the position. Um, even but, even though JJ plays a hand in the dirt, either five seven or three technique every play. Because that yeah. was kind of your, your initial argument was that just Aaron Donald being an interior defensive lineman, he doesn't get as much, you know, I guess, a, a chances on players as T.J. Watt does being a red edge rush outside linebacker and drop into coverage kind of guy. 
But no, I mean, but the thing is, is just like how that scheme's built too. Like JJ's JJ's not lining up over the center over a guard. He is. He, he plays. A little, he plays a little mix yeah. through technique here and there. Yeah, that's but, what I'm but not, not every not every down. Not every like, down. I, I, I think I, that's that's the part that's always going to be the. And I, I think a lot of people feel yeah. this way too. That's why. The, not like there was like a huge split in the vote. I think it was like twenty-seven to twenty AD over TJ. Um, but I so, think that's wait, I'm gonna throw an interesting. I'm going to throw a little spin into it real quick. So I'm looking at the two teams, the Steelers versus the Rams, on their defensive stats. TJ on total tackles Mm -hmm. is fifth on the team. Okay. Mm -hmm. Aaron Donald is a – Oh, he's down He is 10th. He is 10th on the Rams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, with the yards lost on sacks, like total yards lost, Aaron Donald Mm – Aaron Donald made the other teams lose 86 yards off sacks. T.J. Watt had 112 yards lost on a sack, and their sack numbers are almost identical. Like it's just those yeah. little simple things right there, man. Like it's just that's why I say that T.J. Watt had a more of an MVP season because on that defense, especially with Bud Dupree going out, T.J. put that team on his back. Like you. You can't use that as an argument because when I was talking about the Steelers going undefeated, our strength of schedule was thrown in our face 24-7. <laughs> Wait, why? So just yeah. because your strength of schedule is thrown in your face? Well, honestly, I, I think that also brings Steelers up – Steelers did not play that strong of a schedule. Uh, it, well, they, had a few, they had a few teams literally, like, you know, sprinkled in there, but that was it. I mean, now, and I think you bring up a, an interesting point too, and, and I kind of thought this when this happened. I think one of the other reasons that uh, TJ kind of, you know, pro- probably lost some votes. I think it's literally because of how the Steelers started and how they finished. I think that honestly played a lot into, and how ha- how bad that wild card round was. So you think um, if they wouldn't have started out eleven and zero and what lost? Three games or four games? What did they end up going? It was like five of the last six. They lost four. So you okay? The four games they ended up losing. Yeah, I thought y'all were like twelve and four. Yeah, it was twelve and four. It was four of the last five. Yeah, it's four of the last five. So if you're saying yeah, because you beat you beat the Browns in week seventeen. No, they lost. They lost the Browns. We beat the Colts in week sixteen. Oh, week sixteen. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're thinking if that hadn't have happened, if they would have finished, maybe. Say fourteen and two, or either thirteen and three. Honestly, so thirteen you think and three, that, or like you it, think it, they, you think that would have edged out TJ over Aaron if they would have won. I think it definitely would have helped some because I think. And, but see, don't I argue against that? Is because it was very clear towards the end of the season. It was defense was not our issue. Right. It was the well, offense's lack point. of performance. But then I think that goes back to, uh, I think Chris's point that. Granted, this the Rams aren't the best team in the league. Steelers aren't the best team in the league. But you start looking at either what what weight does your name carry as a defensive player, mm-hmm. or either what kind of what kind of schedule did your team end up having? Whereas for like the Heisman, like if there was a kid that had six thousand passing yards, but his team went and only won four games. 
that kid's not going to win Heisman because his team. Right. Well, that's why, like, Deshaun Watson didn't win Offensive Player of the Year. That's yeah, one, I mean, like, Deshaun at least one of the reasons. I mean, Derrick Henry is an obvious choice for that. Well, yeah, anytime you get a 2,000-yard rusher, I mean, it's it's pretty clear-cut. But also, Deshaun Watson didn't have – while he had the most passing yards, he didn't have the best quarterback numbers either. So he didn't, he didn't deserve Offensive Player of the Year. Same, same reason I don't believe Aaron Donald, while he's the most talented defensive player in the league, didn't deserve Defensive Player of the Year. Even he, he only beat TJ out in one of the major stat groups. Yeah. One. Yeah. I mean, well, but so, so I think it, it ends up being of, it ends of up the major out. stats. Let me we can we can break it I down into the, those. From, go go ahead, Adam. Sorry. I think, I think it, it does come down to a popularity contest sometimes, and and comes down to what have you done in your past. I, I do think you know people as humans take into consideration. Yeah. Because if, if you said, hey, I'm going to plug your stats into a computer and let the computer pick who defensive player of the eight year is, I think it would have chose T.J. Watt strictly based off his stats. Aaron Donald gets a little nudge yeah. because he's won it two years in a row. And he he's, reg- he's regarded as the best defensive player in, in the NFL football. Yeah. And, I mean, it just – it is what every time, every time you turn a Rams game on, right – they literally talk about Aaron Donald more than they talk about the quarterback. Do you know how many teams you can say that for? Like, uh, no, no. That's all. Yeah. Also, like, Jared Goff is nothing worth talking about, and I'm glad his ass is shipped out. Oh, you should be. You should be. Y'all, but, that is the most – we're going to get into that trade in a second. But I yeah, actually – Let me let me finish up some stats, and then we'll dive into that trade too. Because like Yeah, let's, you got three minutes. Let's wrap it up. All right, all right. So other things that like this, these are those you're, you all talk about the major stats, but I think what a lot of it came down to is like those lesser known stats. Like if you look at AD's disruption rate, uh, his sack percentage was actually higher despite having less. So, you know, less snaps on the field. I mean, granted TJ. I mean, less he had, he had 1.5 less. I'm not going to say he had less, but it was pretty much tied on that. Um, like the past, uh, Rush win rate was higher for AD over TJ. Um, and, like, if – so this this is where PFF comes in because I know I brought them up earlier didn't bring it out. Uh, but when you look at how they count pressures, and I, and I think a lot of people looked at this, a lot of voters, AD had 98, um, and TJ I think was in the 70s, like 73. Um, and then uh, – What was that? Was that? Had, uh, their pressures. Like, if you look up PFF pressures 2020, I think that should probably get you to where you need. Um, and they'll show, like, their top three. Um, I could also probably find it on Instagram. That's where I first saw how many pressures they gave them. Um, but uh, AD had, like, the league high, 98 um, pressures by them. He had, I like, 70 or what was it? 69 uh, hurries, um, like QB hurries. So like all of that, like all goes into the disruptive factor. And I think even even if AD didn't get, record the tackle or get the sack, um, I think what a lot of people looked at was just how disruptive he is and how much he made the defense better. 
Oh, and just, like those, just how much he affected the players' hand. Right, because like, and, and this is like an example of just like a perfect play of, and I, I, I know TJ has them too, where like he might not get the sack or the tackle, but he influences. But the pick six against the Patriots, um, is is a perfect example of like AD sniffing out the screen, and also Cam Newton just kind of threw the ball kind of willy nilly, um, but. Sniffed out the screen and the Rams, you know, picked that. He, like, over, he overthrew. He overthrew the screen to whoever on, on was it a linebacker that ended up or yeah, was it, it was it was one of our linebackers. Yeah, he took it to the house. Like, yeah, um, I know what you're talking about though. But yeah, so yeah. I, think, I was about to say, I was like, Aaron Donald did not have a pick six. No, because what he did because okay. as soon as he recognized it though, he dropped back and pretty much covered the running back. And Cam Newton went to either throw it away or throw. I don't know what he, really what he was trying to do. If he just tried to throw a touch pass. And it went wrong, and it like sailed the lineman and wound up in a the hands of a linebacker for the Rams, and he took it back to. The and I, I I like I like the stat that James threw out about the the pass pass rush win percentage. Aaron Donald had a more effective pass rush, but he had almost half of the QB hits. That's TJ Watt. So yeah, anything but, that to me no, anything no, that to me that explains that TJ when he won that pass rush he was more effective on that pass rush than Aaron Donald was. Yeah, so, so what 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 James is getting into as far as the pro football focus, it's a specific, like, it's a specific, I don't want to say company, but it's a specific people trying to create stats. And, and the reason, so people are probably, like, if, if you're listening to this episode, you're trying to figure out how we have different numbers for, you know, the pass rush and the pressures and the QB hits and things like that versus what James is talking about. Those are all kind of opinion-based. And and different different companies, different sites do different statistics different ways, right? So like Pro Football Focus for both of those guys to have at least twenty. I mean, Aaron Donald, you're talking about almost forty more pressures with Pro Football Focus versus well, no, TJ, TJ, TJ in in uh, PFF. I think he was in the seventies, so it's only like twenty more pressures. Uh, That's twenty for him, but you're talking about over forty more for Aaron Donald, right? So how how does that happen? That happens because Pro Football Focus is probably considering Aaron Donald's pressures getting maybe within a yard of the quarterback, right? Or, well, or yeah, they, they, they would they would have to determine it the same way for same pressures for TJ. Yeah, they do. They do. I understand. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, but I mean, because I'm Aaron Donald's an inside lineman, so he's got the head start off of TJ he's got already. The distance, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when when that's when the hurries, like QBs hurries. That's when that stuff comes into play. Um, and, yeah, your case of him having a shorter distance to go is right, but still, like, you can't look at that and then look at how often the man's double teamed and really be like, ah, he's got an easier pass still. Like, it, when you're pulling two guys 70% of the time, like, that's why Leonard Floyd had a, a good season this year because if you look at what he did in Chicago – he didn't really do a lot after his rookie season. Came, played for the Rams, got double-digit sack season. Um, and I think, honestly, five of them were against the Seahawks. So that whole Russ complaining about, you know, he's tired of getting hit is just kind of funny because half of the sacks Leonard Floyd got this year, I'm pretty sure, against the Seahawks. <laughs> um, but and, and Leonard's going to be one of those players who goes gets paid big next year, or this offseason, rather, and 
Um, I, I hope that he can keep up the production, but I think he just greatly benefits from AD pulling those extra guys in or pulling the protection in. So, yeah, so, so, I mean, same thing that he had with Khalil Mack. But, I mean, that's what I was just clarifying is for those that are listening to the episode or, you know, listening at, at a different time, the reason you're seeing those differences in statistics is based off of opinion. It's an opinion-based stat from different companies who judge it different ways, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when, 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 we're, when we're looking at J.J. Watt's initial pool of the stats that he was making in comparisons from ESPN, and now James is bringing the pro football focus. It's not that we, and it's not in any way, shape, or form that we, you know, value one more than the other. We're just here for the discussion about it. But yeah. um, we we can end it there because, like, I, I know neither one of us are going to change. But you know, you got to you got to like, have I do anything. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have the debate. You know, got to got to throw out those stats. Yeah, and in the first, uh, we're I mean, that's going to end almost the first hour of the show. So. Um, which we got a lot to cover to after after more than three weeks away. So, um, but James, I mean, you, you got to want it. It's all fair. You got a new quarterback. You got to be excited. Um, Hell yeah, my you man! Know, you gave up two first round draft picks for him, but I mean, and a third. That, that, that trade made no sense whatsoever, though. No, well, so it, it actually it actually does. It actually does, and I will tell you exactly why. Well, we gotta put the we gotta put the. Uh, Delusional Rams fan sunglasses on so we can see he's, the, the what he's talking about here. I, I, okay. Go ahead, dude. <laughs> so do y'all think that Jared Goff, his play over the past two seasons, is worthy of a top five quarterback contract in the NFL? No. Right there alone, that is why you need to trade him. Yeah. He's not performing like he should. Like, And you can ask Keith, my roommate, this. Like, I, I remember – before week one um, last year when the Rams gave him the extension. Like, it's not long ago that the Rams gave him the extension less than two years ago. I literally walked out of my room, and he walked out of his room. We ran into each other in the hallway, and I was like – and, like, I could tell he got the Bleacher Report notification, too. I was like, dude, like, I'm happy for Jared. Like, he had a good season last year, but I was like, that's a lot of money to be paying someone two years ahead of their extension date. And what happened, a moment that man got paid, he just plummeted. Um, and granted, you know, t- Jared, I think is just better with a super strong run game. Uh, and it wasn't as good as it was that 2017, 2018 season when he actually, you know, looked like a potential MVP candidate. Um, like the 2018 season that, that first like six weeks, I was like, holy crap, Jared Goff, like you might be the answer. <laughs> and then, um, so right there alone. Like that man's getting $33.5 million a year, right? Um, Matt Stafford, yeah, I, I think we're paying him $21 million this year. So that's a savings of $12 million. I mean, not including dead cap, but just right there on, um, you know, base salary and all that type of stuff. Um, so saving a $12, 12 million. And, and the reason. Okay, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is, like, I'll, I'll actually back James on this because when I looked at this, I thought, damn, the Rams really overpaid for Matthew Stafford, right? And if you're – if you take Jared Goff's cr- contract out of this, it, that's co- 100% completely true. But I will I will totally agree with James in a sense where Jared Goff has actually gotten worse. He's very dependent mm-hmm. upon Sean McVay. Like, 
Sean McVay has to actually teach, even here in the NFL, whatever he's four or six years in the NFL, however, he's, he's four years in the NFL. But yeah. either way, I mean, Sean McVay is still having to teach him simple things as a quarterback in the NFL, and he, they are way overpaying him. Way, so, way overpaying him. Um, you're, not, you're not upgrading at quarterback. I mean, it, I, are you I, getting, think, I think we are. Well, I, 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 I give you some stats. We'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. How, how many seasons, without looking, James, how many seasons has Matthew Stafford thrown for 30 touchdowns? 30 touchdowns? Yeah. Oof. And he's been in the league for 11 12, years. He's, now. Yeah, he's been in 11 or 12. Oh, I guess 11, you're right. 2009 to 2020. Um, so. That would be 12 because he played the 2009 season. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. he's, he's yeah. 33. Right. So he's. He came out when he was 21. I forgot about that. Yeah. He's not 22. He's 21. 12 seasons over. So over 30 touchdowns. Yep. Uh, two. Yeah. Two? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that yeah. what it is? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Two yeah. No. How, many, how many seasons has he gone without – how many seasons has he not thrown 10 or more interceptions? Oh, probably, like, what was it, 2019? Last, last year is when he got injured, and he probably went under 10 uh, with without 10 picks, so maybe, like, one. Hey, two. Both seasons, he's played six or less games. I'm gonna say, was that the first season when he tore, uh, the first time? It's probably when he hurt his shoulder. 2010, when he when he I think he tore his ACL in 2010. Yeah. Right. Which year? Mm-hmm. 2010, his second year in the league, he got hurt. He played three games and he was out. And then last year, when he played six games and he was out. Those are the only two seasons that he has gone. Yeah, he has he has gone for less than ten interceptions. Both times when he threw thirty touchdowns, he had Calvin Johnson. He hasn't had he hasn't thrown for more than twenty. Well, I mean, when you hit a Megatron, that's a still that's still you you just traded two first round draft picks for this quarterback. I agree, but and you're starting quarterback. But you have not. You better be getting a good quarterback. You're getting a thirty three year old Matthew Stafford. You're getting yeah. You're getting an old, above average quarterback. Yes. Yes, he's he's not a guy, he's not, with, a guy with a sixty-two percent completion percentage in his career. He's, a, he's above average, but yeah, but when you do lose, I mean, a Megatron, that's that's kind of hard to replace. So, and and we all know this. Um, and let's be real, the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns up until this season have been the laughing stocks of the NFL. Um, Detroit's still going to be the laughing stock, but yeah, the Browns have made a little bit of a name for themselves. So, and, and, and other thing I'll say is how many times in Matt Stafford's 12 years in um, Detroit did he have a rusher run for over 100 yards in a game? Like a single rusher run over 100 yards. Like I think it was 12 times in 12 seasons. It was something like that. And I'm not saying that like, you have to be run dependent, but like every, every – all, all the pressure is on Stafford at that point in time. Yeah, when you oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pass heavy offense. Well, the, I mean, the offense was structured that way. It's not that it's it's not that it's you know Matthew Stafford's fault that it's structured that way. But the offense was structured around Matthew Stafford. He's the first overall pick, yeah. and he's got Calvin Johnson, or he's got you know Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr. I mean, he's he's had. Let's be clear, we're not we're not making excuses for Matthew Stafford just because he didn't have Calvin Johnson. The guys have plenty of good receivers. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's. Like so, in recent history, he has, and if you look at his past couple seasons, like his completion rate has gone up. I think his numbers have. Uh, he's been on the rise. Yeah, he's been on the rise, mm-hmm. and like the people are like, "Oh, he's thirty-three years old. He's seven years older than Jared." 
Um, I mean, of the 32 starting quarterbacks, I mean, I put them, what, top eight? No, top 15? Top 15? Top 15? No, he's definitely top. Like I, I thought you were right with top eight. No, I can, I can, top top I can name ten better quarterbacks than Matthew Stafford. I said top fifteen. I was gonna say top eighteen, but I was like, no, nah, I think he's on a little above that. So top fifteen. Top. 15. I, I don't. I don't know. Jared Goff? Like Matt, definitely better than Jared Goff. There's no two ways about that. Um, I mean, I, I also think that a lot of people don't watch a lot of Detroit games to really understand like how good Matt Stafford is. Or like Matthew Stafford's got a lot of potential and he's got a lot of heart and he actually does have the talent. I just fuck like he's been just thrown under the bus by the team and the organization that he's been with. Okay. And yeah. if you look if you look at the ESPN QBR rankings in order, yeah. Matthew Stafford does rank fifteenth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like so I, I said just I, above average. Just yeah. above it. Just above. Um, but, I mean, like, when you look at their defense last year, fucking – excuse I don't I didn't mean to drop the F-bomb on y'all's podcast. But it's okay. We're, it's we're okay. Atrocious. <laughs> atrocious. Like, Matt – like, another thing, like, Jim Caldwell, what, three, four years ago was the head coach for the Lions, took him to the playoffs, got him in the playoffs. But they and then they hired, hired him what, the- and hired Matt Patricia. The defensive coordinator for the Patriots that have been to multiple Super Bowls. Yep. And you just can't. I mean, like, it's, it's kind of like a must champ situation. It he's, a, is. He's, a, he's a lot better coordinator than he is head coach. Well, it's, it's just the, the, you don't have any excuses, right? Like, if you're a defensive guy, your defense should, should be good. Be. Yeah. yeah. And I, his defense was never anywhere close. No, and especially when you think like everyone was hyped up because like Trey Flowers followed him. And, you know, like all these other vets are like, oh, I want to play for Matt Patricia and stuff. Um, and then, like, I mean, yeah, and we could talk about how bad Jeff Akuda was this season at number three overall. Like, that's, that's another thing, dude. It's like the Lions just have never been good top to bottom, front office, anything. Um, and the reason I think they're ever relevant is because of Matt Stafford. Um, and uh, And this was something that, like, the only reason I really ever got onto the Matt Stafford potential trade is so Keith, my roommate, he like when the trade deadline was coming up, he's like, dude, I have a feeling the Rams might trade for Matt Stafford before the, the deadline. And I was like, I don't think we can. Like that's that's a lot. We don't have the draft capital. I don't know how that trade would go out. It didn't happen, but I, I looked a lot into Matt Stafford as a possibility of trading for him. Um, and I think that was right about the time, or maybe it was after where, Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee and it's like, yeah, you can look at a bunch of the throws that Matt Stafford makes. Like everyone's enamored by Patrick Mahomes, and rightfully so. Um, and Stafford did. Mahomes, like he, his his touchdown pass against the Titans, where he completely side armed it, no looked, and threaded the needle between three receivers. It, like that's just that's offensive porn right there. Agree, agree. I know what you're talking about, and I remember. It was yeah, I think it might have been McAfee saying or either Rogers saying, you know, if Mahomes would have done this, everybody would have been drooling over it. But because it's Stafford, oh yeah, there, nobody gave it a, a, a mind. There was a Troy finally scored a touchdown. <laughs> I really just think that I mean Matt Stafford, like he's and you know he's thirty three. I still think he's pretty much in his prime. I mean he's definitely taking injuries, but 
I mean, look, we literally watched Drew Brees retire at, what, 41 this year? Tom Brady's 43 and won his seventh Super Bowl. I'm not saying Matt Stafford's anywhere on that level, but, like, it's everyone's like, oh, Matt Stafford's going to retire soon. I don't think so. Like, he could easily play for another seven years. Four to, yeah, four to seven years. Like, that's given five. Really yeah, 30, 38 is typically where most quarterbacks have really just kind of hit the, hit the train. So. Yeah, so let's let's say he plays 38. Like the Rams, you know, they got a quarterback for five years. And when also you look at the draft picks they gave up, like so obviously Matt Stafford probably needed to get Matt Stafford was a first round draft pick. You probably had to give up a first round. Um, and then, you know, the first and third um, was pretty much you know, here's Jared Goff's massive contract that's terrible. Take our shit from us, and we'll just sprinkle over some sugar so it tastes better. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the Rams, the Rams are really banking on the fact that you know they're going to be drafting like they are this year, or where they would this year. You know, mid to late twenties. So those draft picks really aren't that valuable anyways when you think about them you can you can and, add, you can add good defensive players there or you can add a good one yeah yeah you could you could but i think another thing for the rams but yeah there's no the there's no elite quarterback for them to go and get it picked nope right there uh, yeah, they were if they were trying to hold on to draft picks but wanting to replace golf yeah pick right 20 or whatever it is that y'all have yeah there's no elite quarterback there to go and go have so might and as well when, try and go get a quarterback a that's top presence. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's one of the things the Rams front office has really learned. Like, I mean, think last year we traded for Jalen Ramsey two first rounds, so we don't have a first round this year. Um, but I think they're really going after give me the proven commodities. And the Rams have hit so well in their, in their later picks, like second, you know, all the way down. Um, they've hit so well that I think the front office is like, we don't need first round draft picks. We can – find talent elsewhere like Cooper Cup's a third round draft pick um John Johnson who's a free agent this year and god I hope we can hold on to him because he's a he's a Maryland boy so um you know I definitely definitely want to keep him but those those are both third round draft picks and um you know like people like Darius William Jordan Fuller like not you know superstar names but on that defense they're really really good so I think the the Rams are just really banking on the fact that they, they won't be a first-round draft pick. They can find because... that diamond in the rough come second round <laughs> later. I got what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, well. We're going to we're gonna wrap up our first hour, go ahead and get into our first beer. I'm but... seeing the beer before they get warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you all letting me come on and just dump all this information out oh, there. Yeah, I'm right. good. glad to have you, my guy. Embrace the conversation. Right, good Good talking to y'all, <laughs> brother. You're all, you're always welcome. So we appreciate you coming on, and and we're glad we got to have. It's not the last thing in NFL. We'll cover the Super Bowl picks because we do have to give credit where credit was due, and she has not been humble about it. But uh, but we'll, <laughs> not we'll, at all. we'll get into where credit where credit was due. As, as a beer bacon bro, did not actually pick the correct matchup for the Super Bowl, but <laughs> um, we will we will get into that in just a second. So. Um, but James, thanks so much for joining us. I mean, you're welcome to listen, hit us in the chat, but, um, we do appreciate you coming on. You're always welcome, man. Sounds good. Thanks boys. Hi buddy. Hi, man. Hi, man. All right, boys. We have a, uh, 
Spotty Oak Pale Ale, or we have uh, Omega Gang Brewing uh, Blueberry Coffee Three Philosophers. Yeah, that's yeah. This is what we want to lead off with. Yeah. Okay. I put the pale ale back in it, so you didn't even say like you gave the pale ale just like you're like okay, we got a pale ale. Then this one over here in the right corner, yeah, it is the blueberry what? coffee. Appalachian, so it's Appalachian Brewing Company, Spotty Oak Pale Ale, or Omega Gang Brewing Company, uh, Three Philosophers Blueberry Coffee. Okay. I'm just saying, you, you gave out the, the, first, the blueberry <laughs> yeah, coffee, you gave out the brewery name and all that stuff. The other one, you were like, we got a pale ale. Well, you said okay, and then the other one is... Spotty Oak? Oh, yeah, Spotty Oak. Okay, well, let's, let's get the blueberry. Now. All right, we're going to go with the blueberry coffee, Three Philosophers. I feel like this is going to be an odd... I feel like these are two very distinct flavors that I don't think belong together. Yeah, I mean, it's really, honestly, we kind of... I mean, there's we, a uh, pizza is, restaurant around here that has a blueberry pizza with, like, pepperoni and bacon on it. And it's slapping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Yep. It's a, like, pepperoni and bacon pizza with cheese, r- normal red sauce on it stuff, and then they throw blueberries. whole blueberries on it. Yep. And it actually does go really well. Yeah, it claps. What is that? It's uh, it's uh in Chapin. Yeah. Uh, what is it? It's the Pompeii uh, pizza. Oh, uh, Pompeii. Yeah, Pompeii. So no I'll, free ads though. I'm gonna go ahead and go ahead and check this off the list. Let's just get into it. Uh, while while we're wrapping up our NFL talk, Cali Jumper was the uh, my wife. The goddess, my wife. She was the goddess of of the NFL season. She made her prediction. It, it's so total so fairness. She made her prediction for who was going to be in the Super Bowl. Week on one. The, literally week one. The very yeah. first game of the season. We were sitting down. It was a Thursday night episode. Probably about 10 episodes ago. Uh, 82nd minute. We're, we're making our predictions. Austin took the Ravens and the Seattle Seahawks. Callie well, that came nowhere close to hitting. <laughs> Holy crap. Callie took Kansas City and Tampa Bay. Um, I mean, solely for the fact that it was Pat Mahomes versus Tom Brady. But, hey, whatever works, works. I said Kansas City, Green Bay, didn't I? You took Saints and Chiefs. Saints and Chiefs. Okay, this is this is preseason, not not our not our postseason predictions, but okay, this was the actual preseason prediction. Saints and Chiefs is probably a pretty good pick. I mean, it, they both made the playoffs. Both were the Saints were right there. Saints were one game away from Just winning the NFC. Goddamn, TB twelve had to knock out the Saints. Yeah, and everybody else. So, uh, and then I took Kansas City and Seattle. So at least I had Kansas City, but Seattle was was pretty far off. So, um, but credit where credit's due. Cali Laskuski jumper. 110% correct on the Super Bowl prediction. Week what one. was that uh, at week one? What was that? Plus 1,200, you said? Plus 1,400. So we would have. Uh, For every 100 you put down, you would have gotten a $1,400 back. Yep. Yep. Sweet stuff. Yeah. Sweet stuff. So, um, um, this great prediction. Hell, it actually would have been more. If she probably, if we would wait until like week eight, the odds would have been better because that was before Tampa, Tampa Bay got Tampa on their roll. Yeah. yeah. That would probably have been like a plus 25. Yeah, twenty five hundred. You to know that this this beer that we I'm not getting any blueberry. It is okay. very odd. It is odd. Um, I'm getting coffee taste. Yeah, like if you're drinking like a good black coffee, um, it definitely has some bitters to it, like an IPA or a porter, or something heavier. I, I get, but I feel but like I'm not getting any sweetness. This is married. They they married blueberries with freshly roasted Ethiopian coffee beans. I mean, I'm getting the coffee taste. I get a coffee taste at least. It, it's odd. It is odd. It's a quadruple ale and a Belgian Creek ale. I like it. With cherries and blueberries and coffee. Okay, there is no cherries in that. 
This is Omega Gang from Cooperstown, New York. They probably th- they probably have like one of those like you know huge thousands of gallons tanks, and they probably threw like three cherries in that son of a bitch. I actually get cherry more than I get blueberry. What? Yeah, like now now that I've said there's cherries in this, taste it and tell me that you don't get a little bit more of a, like a. I get a little more. Cherry. Are you getting like true cherry or like the maraschino cherries? Maraschino cherries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like with dessert cherries. Yeah. yeah. But. Is that how you say it, Maricino? I thought it was Maricino, but yeah. Maricino, Maricino. One of those two. Them bright red motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, it's now that you say cherry, like I can, I get that. I'm get, but I feel like I get the fruit that I get. I, that I flame. Yeah. Of either cherry and blueberry combo at the front of it. Yes, yeah, I was about to say that it's on the front end. It's yes. very much yes. on the front end. But then it quickly goes into the coffee, the dark and and hits you yeah. as it's. You know, as it makes its way to the back of your throat, it's definitely the coffee flavor is what's hitting you on the way down. So I think it's- I don't like it. I'm a fan of it. Um, I don't know how many I can drink just because the aftertaste lingers a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it almost burns a little bit. Um, I don't say burn, but just it sits on my tongue. I'm gonna give it six five. Okay. All right. So we got respectable. O M E O M E O M E. Your finger's covering it, bro. Do you think that'll bounce up there? No, no, okay. but yeah, six five. I mean, I would if it was a tall, I think I could drink 12 ounce, not a tall boy though. Like if somebody handed me a tall boy, this I wouldn't be pleased with it. <laughs> I'd be like, Yeah, you got anything else? Right, so you said six five, yeah, not terrible, but not not great. Yeah, I'm right along there with you. Six one, I balanced it for a second. Not, not, it's I'm actually, gonna, it's kind of disappointing because when I picked out these six that were, we were supposed to do through November and December, like, I, I really thought that this was going to be one of the better ones. I'm going to go like a six, eight on it. I like it. Um, it would be in the sevens for me if it didn't have like that coffee, like not like a coffee, like you, if you had a coffee lager from Steel Hands flavor, but it's like the true, like, dark coffee taste like if you drink coffee black just with nothing in it it's kind of got that like bitter coffee ground taste to it that kind of lingers on the tongue and if that wasn't there i'd, I'd be in the sevens easily yeah mm-hmm. did you want the rest of it no i'm oh, good yeah. Yeah, nah, I'm good okay <laughs> but yeah it's got like you said it does have a kind of an odd aftertaste so not not good enough for the for the gang to actually finish here i guess i mean that, that tells the true tale of a beer yeah, it's kind of like when people tell you when they're when you're watching. Uh, I'm trying to watch my figure over here. I'm on a, I'm on a diet now. I can't be ingesting all those complex empty carbs or whatever. Yeah, but what I was gonna say is like when people people see the true test of, of watching Triple D, like Diner Times and dive in. If he goes in for the second or third bite, the second bite. <laughs> um, do you think he like that? He'll take the one bite and then like, oh man, this is great. But if he doesn't take a second bite, he's just like. I gave it the glacious bite, but it actually really wasn't that good. Yeah, I think I think that is a hundred percent true because you might hype it up, but you, if he does, or it might be good, and it's just not his liking. You know what I'm saying? Like it just doesn't fit his flavor profile. Like well, he, no, he I, could he can recognize I, I a good food. meal, but I as somebody foodie. like him, I think foodie. I think he enjoys food. No, he, he he's very picky. He's he says it on the show. That he's he's picky. Like if it involves eggs, he won't get but one bite. Yeah. Um. Just other other he just can't stand eggs. Hmm. Yeah. By the way, we're talking about Triple D, the Guy Fieri chef. Yeah. But I, I think just not he can, he can, yeah, he can, he can recognize 
a good a good quality meal. Just like we, we but it's just with, it doesn't fit him, so he won't go in for a second bite. Just like you know? we're done with our beer, like we recognize quality beers, but if it doesn't fit us, it doesn't fit us. Yeah, very like, much so. Like I don't think we took more than maybe six total sips out of the um. Which one was it? The Jorge Sanchez? Or, yeah, Jorge, yeah, Jorge Sanchez. Yeah. Like, I, I was know. about to say Dirty Sanchez, and that's a completely <laughs> different avenue. We definitely didn't take more than six. No, we have, we have not touched the Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> but the Jorge <laughs> Costanza, yes. Yeah, and yes. The, and the sunscreen here, the Aloha trips or whatever that Alex and I did on that. Um, yeah, if I took more than three sips out of that beer, I'd be very time. surprised. Yeah. And I was pretty drunk when we did that show. And then. <laughs> I was drunk. I was drunk enough, but not, not too, drunk. not that drunk to be like, "Ah, oh, it's a good beer." This is how drunk we knew Kelly. Was. She gave that beer a seven five, but Alex and I gave it a one point nine and a two. Yeah, a seven five. <laughs> yeah. She was. Drunk. She's not a beer person, so when she had that, she was very, very much intoxicated. Yeah. Wow. She's good enough to know that beer was not in the breeze. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I want to meet the honest person that can actually give that a high score while sober no, and with I, a straight I face. Can we find that beer again? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we've got to get him to try it. I'm pretty sure he's a total yeah. Last okay. time we were there. But no, I want to know the brewmaster that when that was booed, he's like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is what we're looking for. You, you know, the rest of his staff had to be like, hey, yo, does anybody else want to talk about the shit that Jim just approved to be put on fucking tap? Because that shit is horrible. Wonder, and they're be like, oh, well, him and the owner like it. I'm like, okay, well, our, our word means nothing now. I wonder, no. Like, well, I, I, think, I, I know that y'all are going to have alcohol overseas on, on, on duty in the, or the, you know, on certain bases and, yeah, um, certain deployments. But I want to know, like, let's say, let's say somebody was in Afghanistan for eight months, hadn't had a beer in eight months. And you sent them that? And we sent them that. What they would actually give the score? They would them. talk shit the entire time, <laughs> but they'd drink every last fucking drop. They can play. They'd be like, you know what? This sucks ass. But I'm gonna get drunk off of it, and they'd go about their way. They go shotgun and call it good, huh? Yeah. So before James got on, obviously we talked a little bit about the the things that was going on with the beer. By the way, there's still more of it. We didn't tap the whole keg in the first weekend. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to uh, Tyler Richardson for uh, actually he he saw one of our posts, went to Swamp Cabbage and tagged us in a photo on Instagram saying that it was a great beer. We appreciate you getting out there. We appreciate the support that you have for us uh, and taking time this past weekend to get out to Swamp Cabbage and support them and us for the beer. So did want to give a little special shout out to him. And if you're ever doing something like that, like you've got our koozie involved in a, you know, you're by the poolside having a drink, you got our koozie. If you don't have a koozie, just hit us up and get your koozie. Um, but you know, if you're y'all are ever doing anything like that, people are always more than welcome to tag us on Instagram or Facebook and we will certainly share it. But they want to give a little special shout out to him. So I'm I'm kind of interested to see how the the triple B beer has done at Swamp Cabbage. He's got because it genuinely was it is a I think it's a really done porter. Well done porter. Yeah, it's it's not gonna I mean I'm gonna be honest enough to say it's probably not the favorite. Like obviously the salted caramel is gonna be the favorite. He's yeah, that's a very Doug, niche thing. Yeah, Doug has done a lot of salted caramel stuff, right? He's got that um, down pat. Yeah. Yeah. But it, didn't he say they've done a maple, they've done a bacon, and now they no, what he was they've saying. done they've done something similar, but it 
it was weird. I can't remember how he said it. it was very. So, it was like weirdly executed, if not just. It was just a weird flavor that they got from their vendors. He's he's done he's done a maple before, is what he said. He's done like a maple hammer or something. But what he was saying was is that when he was when he was looking to do the maple bacon porter, the supplies he got were the bacon flavoring, the maple flavoring, and the maple bacon flavoring. And what he has done is he's done the maple bacon flavoring. So now he's still stuck with a maple and a bacon. So and we'll see, I mean, we'll just see how much, you know, what he's willing to do and how much he's got. I don't know how much porter he's got left. He's done a lot of porter. I mean, he had, you know. I think he had like three different ones on tap when we were there. He did. He had the, he had the habanero, well, he had the habanero, the salted caramel. And I think he might have had one more. So he did a. And for a while, I think for a while they just had a straight. Didn't they just have like a simple they do porter? Have, they just do a normal the, porter? They the plain bold cypress porter. Yeah. yeah. It was on tap as well. Yeah. It was on tap as well. Yeah. That was before yeah. that you were thinking yeah. about. So, I mean, but also porter is one of those things during like this this time of year. It's a very popular beer. Oh, certainly. You know, with craftier people. Stout. Especially like people like me that like the darker, heavy beers. You're going to you're gonna tend to favor those beers during the winter and colder they, months. They, they sit a little bit heavier. They give you that warm feeling. Yeah. Warm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he's, I mean, he what he said was that he, in my opinion, very poor choice of words, but he did a blackout Saturday and he made, he just had nothing but porters available. So he had, he had the salted caramel, the habanero, the maple bacon, the regular, a German chocolate cake and a red velvet porter available. He had all six of those available, Um, which of course the literal day and a half that the red velvet was, was on tap, it was gone. This yeah, I'm kind of pissed about that because yeah. if anybody knows me, knows that I do a little bit of baking on the side. Red Velvet's one of my go-to, one of my go-to cakes that I can make. It's one of my favorite cakes, and I'm the the unlucky individual that missed the Red Velvet beer somehow. Oh, I, I missed it too. I didn't get it either. I mean, it, it only lasted a week, so um, we we just, we've not been able to get his German chocolate or his Red Velvet cake in the in the couple of times that he's offered in the last year or so. so. We will eventually. I think we're going to get on a level with them that we can reserve we, kegs. Yeah, we can we reserve kegs. Reserve yeah. keg, but we can be like, no, we'll pay for them full price. Yeah, but well, just but, hey, set one aside for us. Like, we'll, let us come we'll, pick we'll, that we'll, shit we'll up. We'll get a uh, we'll get a heads up. Hey, next week, this is what's getting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And and, and we, we get pass that know. you know confidential information on to our listeners. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll, we'll preview. Yeah. So. Uh, but all in members all. only. It only costs forty nine dollars <laughs> a week. Yeah. All in all, though, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a freaking honor to have a beer in the And uh, that's wild. Like, if if a year ago somebody came up to us and said, "Hey, you're gonna have you know Swamp Cabbage name a beer after you guys," I'd be like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah, I'd be like, "Swamp Cabbage, who? Like, you know, like like a soundboard and three mics, chill out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still trying to figure. We're just trying to figure this thing out if we can do it on an iPhone. Yeah, like, come on now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we got it's it's honestly now, like just genuinely humbling. Yeah, you know? and it's super cool. And they're the, I mean, they're the best. I mean, they really are just. Some cool I literally like I I shared it on my Instagram. I was like, yo, just you know, so blessed to be, you know, recognized by this brewery and have a beer named. It's like I had people that I've like no, but I haven't really talked to like respond to that. But like, yeah, that's so cool and stuff like that. It's just kind of yeah. it's kind of cool to see that interaction. You know, we had a lot of wild faces. Like like the emoji, like wow. Yeah, we had a lot of those. Yeah, the excited faces. So, um, 
But, yeah, swing by. It's still available. Maybe makes it through this weekend. I don't know. We'll see. Yep. Valentine's weekend. They're doing some got some charcuterie boards and a wine night for Sunday. I mean. And if, if it's sold out already, you guys will be upset. We won't be because we're going to take that as a huge compliment. And it's um, not, I mean, who knows? Maybe he maybe he starts doing a porter every year. Maybe he tries it with the amber. Who knows? I mean, we'll see. But, you know, no no guarantees. But, obviously, just a really exciting time for us. and. We're not done yet. We got some. We got some other breweries in the chamber to do some shows from. We just gotta got line them up. Got line we them gotta up line them up. Nail yeah. them down. So it's been an honor to have a beer named after us. It's a great, great time. And um, speaking of beers, you want to drink the second one? <laughs> <laughs> Should we just go straight into the second beer with you? Give that old. What was it? Spunky oak. What was it? Spotty oak. Spotty oak. <laughs> Spotty oak. The only reason Adam wants to go into straight to the second one is because he he wasn't a big fan of the first one, so he's just. It was not as it was not as good as I thought it was gonna be. Not at all. You know, I was a little disappointed, to be honest. Spotty Spotty Odie. Spotty Odie. Spotty Odie. And we just put a bunch of the uh, party emojis from what I can see. I can't my computer's not displaying it very well. <laughs> oh, 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 oh Chris. Holy foul, my guy. Did you shake it? What happened? Oh. Okay, for the all the oh, listeners God. out there, the Chris just popped this beer, and the beer said, uh, screw you. I'm coming out full speed and just exploded all over him. That is a wet shirt now, my guy. Yeah, that's that's everything's wet at this point. So, big, big props to Chris, though. Know. He just kind of, like, leaned back and just wore it all to, like, the, his shirt. was just like, okay, I'm going to let it. I'm just going to let it. He's like, I'm just going to let it spew all over me. I'm just going to take this. <laughs> Dude. Man. Damn. This, a, that was a that was a was in a Coke bottle. This beer was angry at you for being a second. <laughs> <laughs> so these assholes are making me go last. Oh, my guy. Well, now that the beer is gone. Hey, Alex, you want to hand me some paper towels over there? Oh, there are some behind you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sweet. So this is. I was literally texting the wife, seeing if she could run some to us uh, real quick. Yeah, so this is out of Boone, North Carolina. Is it a nitro brew? The shit, the shit exploded upon opening. Um, <laughs> I don't see anything. Okay. But yeah, from like you said, Appalachian Mountain Brewery. If you get any of these in the can, I was gonna say it's just be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Don't move it in the slide. It's just you put that thing on the table, let it sit there for about twenty minutes, and then open it. Just think about it. That has been sitting in a cooler for almost two hours now. That has been just sitting in the pocket over here. The only time you pulled it out was to show us. We chose then, the coffee. You put it back. Exactly. And then you pulled it, it back, pulled out back out 10 minutes later. What did you call this it? This is a volatile beer. What did you call it, though? The Spotty Odie Pale Ale. Spotty. Spotty Odie Pale Ale? Yeah. He called it the Spotty Oak. No, I think I did that. Okay, know. somebody called it the Spotty yeah. Oak. I, I called it the Spotty Oak. Like O-A-T. Okay. I didn't see the Y on it initially. Okay, so Spotty Odie. Yeah, Spody Odie Pale L. It sounds like a name you would give like a, a a guy that lives like in a small southern town has been there for like fifty years and everybody just knows Spody. him. Like, oh Spody, oh Spody's down at the general store. <laughs> just like that's his name. Like Spody should be a character's name off like Nanny Griffith's show. Like just old little Spody. Spody All right, Chris, what Chris, you've already had a sip of it. What do you think it's so far? I got fun. You got fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the Man, I got fun. Like, you, you could see, like, you could hear the depression in Chris's voice. Like, I'm, I got fun. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't there wasn't much there. All right, Adam, what you thinking? Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's that's what you expect the pale ale to be. Yeah. Hey, around the lip. 
of the can, it says, we can, so you can foundation, which says the proceeds from every purchase support the revitalization of our communities. Get on them. Mountains and rivers as well. Good so they're putting a lot. They're putting a basically every can or beer you buy from them. They're putting a little bit of the money they make back into the community of the Appalachian Mountains. That makes sense for Boone, North Carolina, dude. I've, like that's where the, like the summer camp I worked at right before yeah. I joined the Navy. That's very much the like Behind community the feel of Boone. It's just it's very much an outdoorsy, just kind of like take care of your neighbors kind of community. Plant more trees. Oh yeah, you chop down one, you plant three, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. That's not a yeah. That's a that's a pretty good parallel. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan. That's not bad at all. Yeah, it's very smooth. It's drinkable. Um, it doesn't just like hit you with a ton of the the hops or anything like that. It's just very much. It's a good mellow yeah. Um, I could put a few of these down to be honest. It's a, that's a seven flat. 5.4% alcohol. Did we ever say the, the alcohol of the coffee beer? No, it is. I can find it. Nine point seven. The coffee? Yeah. Wow. Whoa. I yeah. give credit. It tastes like a nine point seven. Not at all. And for it to be coming a tall boy like that? And it also tells you at what temperature to serve it. What does it say? Serve it 50 degrees tonight. Yeah, it's probably around there. It's been in, been, it, been in, it was in the cooler for about yeah. an hour 10. Oh, yeah. So you don't want it cold, but you want it between cold and room temperature. That's literally right in the middle between cold yeah. and room temperature. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. So like who, gave, who gave what to the pale ale? Seven flat. Seven flat. So I haven't given a score yet. It's good. Um, that's like a, a, a two beer. Okay, so it says that the uh, Spodioti was brewed with a presidential amount of oats and yada, yada, yada. But what is a presidential amount? Is, is that, that like, more than a shit ton? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is a, what's a presidential amount? Like, it's definitely more than a baker's dozen, right? Yeah. All, is it like all the oats that you could find in the United States? Like, is, If they're not American-owned, you didn't want them kind of thing? What is What is that? A presidential... Amarillo. Okay. It's the first time I've seen that on any of our beers. Hop forward flavor and aroma. I don't I don't think it's very much hop forward. It's it's there, but it's not like it's not it doesn't balanced. yeah, it doesn't do but it doesn't do it too strongly. Presidential amount. Presidential amount. I've, I've Googled this and I can't find anything on the the like any kind of thing that's referenced. First thing that pops up is how much does it cost to become the president? I'm not. I'm gonna go uh seven six on this one, man. I like it. I'm actually right in the middle of both of you. I wrote down seven three already. So, um, I'm with yeah, I would I, mean, I would make sure to get this if, I, if any brewery I was at if they had this, I'd be, be I would be. If this was on tap, even at like a D's Wings, this would be one that's on your. Oh list yeah, it'd be list. a go to. Yeah. Go-to? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what I what I was gonna say is like if we go there, I'm probably. I'm probably leading with it like that. I'm just gonna get, oh, that's a great that's a great opener for yeah. any beers. I know what I'm getting. I've had this before. I can. I'm gonna have it to get my first beer and then kind of really look over the menu. But I'm probably gonna drink more than one of it. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is like a one and two for. You know, this could be if I'm at the buoy multiple hours. Yeah. And if I, you know, like you're saying, start out with this, have another beer or two, and if there wasn't nothing really else that caught my mind. Caught my eye. This was what you know. Go back to. Yeah, and I and I think that like 
if you're just an average American coming home from work one day and you just want to have a beer when you get home, that's that's, a, got, that's a beer to have, right? Like that's it's just yeah. it's got some good taste to it. It's yeah. not a Bud Light, you know? Yeah, it's not a Bud Light. Yeah, I mean, it breaks up. It breaks up the monotony of just the normal lights or just the normal. What is it? Um, what's the actual? Beer. Yeah, no. What's the actual term for just what? Because we learned this recently from or, Doug. Pale or, ales are not what people think are pale ales. Is yes. like Bud Light stuff like that, and this. This is a pale ale, which is nothing like Bud Lights. So what would you actually classify these very light domestic beers at? For me to describe a pale ale, it's something between it, a pale ale is a is a is a lighter beer that is between basically a domestic beer and an IPA. Like there's going to be a little bit of hops in a pale ale. Yeah, and you're going to get a little bit of a flavor. It's going to be a little heavier set, like not in the sense of hey man, that's a freaking stout porter, amber brown sense of heavier like weight wise but there's going to be a little more depth of flavor to it than yeah it's a bud light but so, what would you classify bud lights as and stuff like that the, those I mean, the, that realm of beers there's a nail yeah okay yeah i tried googling what is a presidential amount and i've got no i've got nothing either yeah, so I, I don't know what to tell you i mean it's it's it's, it's so it's is less. It health, it's, is it a healthy amount of? It's less. It's, it's probably close to a shit ton, like you said. It's less than a shit ton, but more than a baker's does, and that's all yeah. we. Yeah. Well, I, I, a shit ton is a lot more than a baker's does. Yeah. If I said I had a shit ton of donuts, I, you know, it's probably, it's probably less than a shit ton because it was a shit ton of oats. It'd be like an oat ale, you know. <laughs> that's probably right. That's probably right. Yeah. If you're if you're if you're listening to this and you figure out what the. Uh, Correct amount. the correct quantity <laughs> of a presidential amount is. Please, Please let, let us, us know. know. Please <laughs> let us know. We're confused at the moment. Um, to help the amount of votes. So yeah. The one other thing that we did talk about covering. How many Hondas would it take to move <laughs> that many votes? Yeah. A, <laughs> How many Honda Civics can I fill up with a presidential amount of votes? It's a Howard Taft amount of votes. Okay. <laughs> Green piano coffin is what you're saying. I don't know where y'all are going now. Y'all don't want to. No, I'm sure it President, the fastest president we've had. Yeah, he got stuck in a bathtub. Yeah, that's how many go to it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, homeboy got stuck in a no, got I, stuck I, in a hot tub. I know you're right. I know Not a hot tub, but I I know that's the right. I know that's the right. Story. You that's know, I never did into a I never did. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he didn't. Howard Taft didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that. <laughs> so Howard Taft is confirmed the heaviest president we've ever had. Oh yeah, without it, mm-hmm. without a doubt. I've, I've never thought about that. I've never thought about who was the heaviest or fattest president we ever had. Yeah, yeah. The guy clearly got caught in a bathtub, but I mean, or stuck in a bathtub. But that could be in many things. It could just be how large he was, plus the age that he was. Like, well, just go look up a, a, a picture of him and look how round he is compared to the rest of the. So the tallest, the tallest president was, of course, Abraham Lincoln at six foot four, which surprisingly nowadays is not that tall. But back in his Wait, day, that I was thought, that I was a he was giant. Like six seven. I say I thought Trump's like six four. No, no, he's Trump's actually pretty tall. Hold on, let me. I don't know when this website was updated. Okay, I'm just going off what this website. There's says. no way Donald J. Trump is six four. I don't know. If he's hey, the shortest president was James Madison at five foot four. Oh, short boy nation. Short boy nation. You know about short teams. We can do things. All right. Fattest president was Howard Taft at three hundred and thirty-two pounds. Uncle Donald's six three. Okay, I was close. Wow. Uncle Donald is six foot three. Big boys be playing shoot guard out there on the president. That would put that would put Donald Trump tied for second on this list wow. as tallest presidents with a Lyndon Johnson. Grandpa Joe is six foot flat for those that were curious. 
Oh yeah, coming off the bench is the six man, sleepy Uncle Joe. <laughs> Obama was six one. Oh yeah, yeah. George Senior was six foot two. Really? George H W Bush six two. Bill Clinton was six two. Old George Washington back in seventeen seventy six was six foot two. Oh, he, he was, was dunking on them colony high. boys. <laughs> homeboy, homeboy was yeeting on some motherfuckers back in the day on the basketball court. Right. You, gotta, you gotta build a starting five and a six man out of the presidents. Hold on, we got you. All right, who you got? All right, so. Abraham, uh, you gotta have so you Abraham got Lincoln down low in the in the paint. As and like, six foot four. He's the center. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the tallest out of all of them, so you actually, gotta take him. Actually, Lyndon B. Johnson's probably the center because Lyndon was a little bit heavier. So we're gonna we're take we're gonna take the six three and a half out of Lyndon To gain a little bit more weight. Gonna, okay. He's gonna body he's gonna be a little more body on okay. the center position. Then Abe's the swing power forward. Okay? All right. He's like the uh he's like the Anthony Davis of, of our presidents. So he's a little lanky. Yeah, skinny, little lanky. Donald's gonna be on the bench. You definitely, I think George Washington's got to be the small forward. I mean, he's, he's got he's the six foot two man. Yeah, he's got the plus. He's got the grit too. I mean, he crossed a freaking Delaware on Christmas. In, in the, in the what, all right, so what about what about Ulysses S. Grant? Was five foot eight. He defeated the South. He won the Civil War. He might be coming he's, off the bench. He's a he's a warrior. Can he? He I, might be a point guard. I, I know who's our. I can know, he? Can he be? What's that? What's that? Guard. What's that little short? The shortest man that won like the dunk contest. What was his he name? Nate Robinson. Yeah. 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 Um, how how tall is uh? No, who's the, who's the short kid from uh? Space Jam. What was the short kid from Space Jam? That's on y'all. The short guy from Space Jams. All right, never mind. Y'all just keep uh, talking. I'm gonna look it up. Teddy was only five ten, so I think Teddy Teddy could be like a backup guard. No, that's Teddy Teddy, Teddy playing the shoot uh point guard. Yeah, point guard. I, I know who's our shooting guard. JFK. JFK. Casual six one. Cash, cash, six one. Yep. Ronald Reagan coming in at six one two. I was gonna make a joke there, but don't you go bite my dog. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. <laughs> no. He... Oh my god. <laughs> I'm glad Chris caught up. I'm glad Chris finally caught up. That, my mind, my <laughs> Thank you, Chris. I wish we had a camera here because when you're like, I'm going to put JFK to shoot guard because my face at that moment time was priceless because I was just like, oh, shit, we just went there. I don't focus, but we did. Oh, Damn. Man, we got to switch to YouTube. Um, Muggsy Bogues, that guy. Oh, oh. Yeah, you, little you, shorty. From the, yeah, Muggsy was like five. Five. He was 5'3". Five, 5'3"? Three. Five, three? Weighed 130 pounds. All right, so now now switching from basketball Woo. to football, you got to put together a football team. Well, a couple of these guys played football. All right, Howard Taft Center. Yeah, you you got you got to give me your starting 11. That's a lot. That's a lot. Okay. All right, who, who would you want, though? How heavy was Howard Taft? 330. 5'11 and a half. I'm that uh, he he was girth man. That's some BJ Rodgers. That was a girth like, right there. Wow, that was BJ Rodgers. Good call there. <laughs> it's almost a bowl. Almost a bowling ball. That. Exactly. I'm proud of you for knowing that. That was BJ Rodgers' nickname. Um, I mean, a couple of the presidents actually like legitimately. Give me George ball. Washington at the quarterback. Good. What'd you say? Six two, six three. What yeah, was six, he? Six two. Give me oh Donald J at the tight end. Bro, I just want to All see right. George Washington standing some other standing nearby 
all the people of the, of the eight, five, eight. Yeah, like all the rest of the people of the 18th century, just hit George Washington being six foot two. Talent, probably. Yeah. So Donald Trump is one of six presidents. Hell, Thomas Jefferson was almost six foot three back then, too. Donald Trump was one of six presidents that actually played football at the next level. He played Donald, college football? Donald Trump played football at New York Military Academy. I don't know what level of football that is. JFK actually played at Harvard. Richard Nixon played at Witter College. Ronald Reagan played at Eureka, Eureka College. Eureka? Eureka, yeah. Yeah. Dwight Eisenhower literally played at Army. Yeah, he's and, an Army grad. And Gerald Ford played at Michigan. Oh, okay. A little How weight, a little weight behind those last two right there. How a five man? Yeah. The Army Academy in Army Academy not, in not Michigan. Not only did he play football in Michigan, he was the team MVP. Dang. One season. Wow. What position? Is he was an All State high school player. This was which which president was this? Gerald Ford. Okay. He signed with the Green Bay Packers after. after. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I'm going to be your president. <laughs> All right. What position does it say? Um, just look up Gerald Ford no. football. Yeah, but it was in 1935. Okay. Um, oh, he was also a Navy man. He actually attended the University of Michigan. He had law school. And after Pearl Harbor, he enlisted in the United States Navy Reserves. I don't. I can't. I'll figure it out what position he played. That's pretty, That's pretty wild. Potentially could have been. A he good played player. center, linebacker, and long snapper. Okay, I like it. He helped the Wolverines to two undefeated seasons and national titles in 1932 and 1933. Dang, I left my trivia. Well, I got some sports trivia for you next week. Y'all, right. y'all are gonna kind of like it. Yeah, probably won't guess it. We all are gonna kind of like it. Um, where was I going with this? We were going somewhere with this before we got into the presidents and athletes <laughs> and weight. <laughs> we were talking about a presidential amount of oats. That's, right. That's what it was. That's right. We were just finishing up that beer. Um, so the things that I took away from the national title that I actually wrote down weeks and weeks ago. Oh, in the championship, man. Yeah. So, um. Just general consensus, is Nick Saban the greatest coach of all time in college football? Yes. Nick Saban? Yeah. 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 I, that, you know, Nick Saban now owns the record for the most national championships by a head coach. I, I say I don't, I don't think there's – unless Dabo goes on to do the same thing, there's nobody, I think, in recent history that can rival what Saban has done. Bear, Bear Bryant was the only person he was tied with at six. National championships, which is horrendous to think because he was tied with Bear Bryant, both Alabama coaches. Yeah. Like Alabama clearly just raking in the national. Dude, oh, listen to this. Okay. As a part of the 1935 collegiate all star football team. You still on jail for it? Yes. Ford played against the Chicago Bears in the Chicago College All Star game at Soldier Field because apparently. Back from 1934 to 1976, it was an American football game that was played between the National Football League champions and a team of star college seniors. Okay. It's kind of like the senior bowl, but instead of – You took the best seniors you could and, and put them played. against the best NFL team. Yeah. Hmm, well. Nowadays, those college seniors would get wrecked. <laughs> 
Oh, they'd get wrecked. If, if you got to, if you got to pick, if you got to pick the best college, like by now you'd have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. You'd have uh, Devonta Smith, Najee Harris. You know, I mean, Chase. If, if I got to, if I got to pick the best fifty-two college football players I wanted versus the worst team in the NFL, no, no, it's, you say it was the NFL champion. It was a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with Alex. You can take as many talent as you want out of college. If they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after what I saw, you know, two nights ago or three nights ago, they're getting beat by thirty. Yeah, I mean they're they're doing what, that was Pat Mahomes and his team. You're, you're literally team. talking about grown men playing this game for decades compared to well, college athletes. Expertise of the games too. In yeah. A, in a in a you know a um, playing a bunch of twenty. Uh, twenty-two yards. But not just that. You're talking. You're talking about a team versus a bunch of guys you're having to put together and trying to put scheme behind. You know what I mean? Well, but just say say this. You you had several weeks of practice, this, that, and the other, and they've had time for you know to prepare. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'd be closer than you think. But yeah, I, 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 I do believe in the NFL team. I, I, I think about they are now experts at, at what they do. They are the subject matter experts at their position, at reading whatever it needs to be. Like, if you told Trevor Lawrence to go out and do what Tom Brady does, Tom Brady's twice his age? Yes. Literally? Yes. Yeah. More, more than twice his age. Trevor's 21. Okay. No, Tom's Tom 43. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> more. You you were still in diapers and this guy was getting drafted. Yeah. Hell. Some in some cases you you weren't born yet, and this guy's been doing it longer than he's been alive. Yeah, I mean, Pat Mahomes was in sixth grade when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he, 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 they are masters of their craft. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I was saying is, if you actually want to try it, give me the best fifty-two college football players and let me play, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You see what happens? The New York Jets. You know, I think that could actually be a close game. You're talking about a bunch of first-round draft picks versus, you know, the literal worst teams in, in football right now. Like, I actually think that would be an interesting game. I think that that would be – I don't – nobody's going to blow anybody out. That's what I'm saying. That would be a fun thing to have, but I feel like – Oh, it's not going to happen. It would, the only reason I don't think it would happen is because the team that was dubbed the – like, you know, the worst team in the NFL, they would not give that game any effort whatsoever, no. you know, and it would just – they can figure out who they want to take with the first pick, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another note yeah. that I – Hey, that'd be a good way to motivate the Jets or the Jaguars. Like, hey, listen, you go out there and you suck, those kids are taking your job. Oh, yeah. They'd be like, oh, shit, when are you going to stomp these little kids in the dirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, one of those guys on the other team could be possibly taking my job yeah. this season. <laughs> yeah, y'all just remember the draft's coming up in a couple weeks, and we have potential to pick a bunch of those dudes. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so what I actually wrote down when I when I when we got done watching the national championship game and the dominance that Alabama you know put on Ohio State, who which was a which was a better team? Like you had to pick one of these two. Is it the 2020 Alabama team or the 2019 LSU team? Oh, that's a that's a good one. <laughs> I know. Um, I think all around team wise, the 2019 LSU team. I mean, that was a solid defense that Alabama has, but I think from top to bottom, like you're starting 22. You you saw most of that 22 leave, and it was it was one of those to the next level from LSU. It's one of those weird years, like, and we'll see what happens. Um, with this Alabama team as far as they're starting 20. Based off like offense productivity, 
LSU has set a record for like how well their offense was performing. And then this Auburn team, this Alabama team broke that record. But it wasn't by enough that I can't chalk it up to this being a COVID year. And this being a weird team year, people sat out. Teams weren't playing 100% and stuff like that. Um, You're talking about an LSU team that what played how many games? 14? 14, 13? They played 15 total games. 15. Yeah, so that's more than Alabama played this year. Alabama only played 13. Yeah, so that's two extra games. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the same like you're saying, though, this was the perfect case. Like, Notre Dame caught Clemson at the right time. They had players left and right out for COVID. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, depending on when you caught a team this year, you know, they could be down three, four-star players due to COVID, due to injury, which injury, you know, can happen every year. But this year in particular, just see, people seem to have gotten hurt more frequent this year. People were either out because of COVID testing or contact trading, whatever. So it was just an odd kind of and depending on how the season was going, you have players literally opting out. Like yeah. if your team was 0 and six, they're like, all right, bye. Yeah. Like, and they want, you know, it won't I mean how Carolina had players that was what like three, four games off the season. Like, okay, we're gonna go focus on the draft. Yeah. We're done. It wasn't just South Carolina. There was a lot of teams that did like Florida had yeah. some guys yeah. who did that after the SEC championship game. Like it, it happened. It happened to a lot of teams across the entire country. But because I mean, this was the year where players could literally say, "Hey, I'm not playing anymore," and they wouldn't. They would have no punishments, nothing you know, against they them. And, the year of eligibility. Yeah. yeah. The 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 biggest thing for me, I, I totally agree with Adam. Actually, in, in the sense, I, I wanted to pose the question because Alabama's offense was really good. And they had a great season, and they actually played a all SEC schedule. You know, the 10 games that they played in the regular season and then the 11th game that they played was the SEC championship game. I mean, they played they played pristine competition all year long. 10 SEC teams and that's uh, 11th one, which is the SEC title game, and then two playoff games against – who did they play? Notre, was it Notre Dame and, and Ohio State? Yeah. 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 So um, – I mean, they were playing top-tier talent. But they didn't even play as many top-10 teams as LSU did last year. LSU played nine of their 15 games against top 10 teams last year. And that is a NCAA record for the most wins against top 10 teams in one season. So, uh, which of course, you know, they played the SEC championship game against Georgia and then the two playoff games. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. hell, that's three weeks in a row, essentially, of top 10 talent. Top five. Yeah, hell, then at that point, yeah, at that point in time, top five. Yeah. So, three back, uh, three games, one after another of, Top five talent. Now they're not actually one after on calendar, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. You you passed one top five team, you gotta start preparing for the next one, you know? Yeah. I mean that's just that that's a lot. And, and you know, whatever team comes out of the SEC to go play in the playoffs, I mean that's what they face no matter who it was, even even Alabama did that this year. Um, my thing is it for the coming years, unless something happens on the east, you're you're looking at a dominance from Alabama and LSU. Florida and Georgia. It's kind of scary how much Nick Saban seems to be enjoying football right now. It's kind of scary how Nick Saban just won a national title and then set a brand new record for the highest recruiting class ever. Yeah, like it's it's almost like he's just now really turned on the switch. It's almost like we've been watching a 75% Nick Saban. We just didn't know it. And all of a sudden now he's turned it up to like 90. And you're like, damn, son, you had you had more left in the tank. This is this is 2000, this is 2012 Nick Saban. Like and I'm going to cover this in just a second about the SEC's dominance. And, and I guess this is probably a pretty good segue now that you're talking about it. But, like, 
so you look at the national championships, and, and people always talk about the SEC, the SEC, the SEC, it's just blah, 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 it's just Alabama. Well, since 2006, the SEC has won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven national championships in 14 years, right? And that's not just, that's not Alabama. That's the SEC in general, right? Florida, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, and that's it. So Florida, Alabama, Florida, Alabama, LSU, and Auburn. Are you know what I'm saying is every. It doesn't matter what when we say SEC. As an East team, we are riding the coattails of the SEC West. Well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't say that because like, it's like the one. There's a few years there, like Chris mentions. You know, we won. Well, we won. How many of the? Past? Won eleven of the last. The SEC has won eleven of the last fourteen. Okay, games. one of those. One of those games. Georgia was. Was in. Georgia was in against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama also faced LSU in one of those games. Mm-hmm. So technically, you count those two in. But then you're also talking about how. But Florida's the only SEC East team in there to win a national title. They are. But Georgia, yeah, but Georgia's been there. Yeah. Or it was one of those years to where Georgia lost the SEC championship, and that was the reason they didn't go to the BCS. But, but many, of, many of those years. Yeah. But, but now you're. But again, that's what I'm saying. Like, if the SEC is making it to the national championship game. It's a team from the West. We ha- the, A team from the East hasn't made the national championship that, since that 08 Florida team. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm saying. In the last 12 years, the SEC East is riding, when we say SEC football is a powerhouse, we've been riding the coattails of the West. And the fact that. Yeah, but it's also like, it's kind of like one of those things like. Just, they have just been that more, that dominant. I I, I, I agree with you, but it's one of those things like when you say that you kind of you you you're straddling the dangerous line of saying that Florida and Georgia shouldn't be recognized because for years there they you know they're just they just haven't had those two losses that really kept them out of the hunt. They, they are good. Or a one they, loss, they you know. Good teams. They have been right there. Carolina was right there. Yeah, Carolina was there for how many years? Did we only have two losses, but it was the fact that one of those losses would what be to Georgia. Wasn't or to that, Florida, and they'd be the one to go to the championship. Yeah. 2010. Or hell, it's or the hell. Yeah, when we lost to Auburn in the SEC championship, who went on, who who went on to win the national championship. Yeah. I mean, it's not that we we don't. Yeah. It's not that the East doesn't have teams that to play. Can't, can't compete. It's just that when they lose, they lose in the SEC championship, and that's what's knocking them out. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or kept them out of the national championship game. Well, every time it's kept them out of the out of the playoff. I mean, Georgia got in when Alabama beat Florida. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, either way, oh, Georgia would hang with a lot of the like the other teams in the country. Georgia, like if if you put a playoff set together, 2015 or 2017 Georgia, whichever one it was, with 2017 DeAndre, Georgia, with DeAndre Swift and all that. Yeah, would have would have beaten. Like, if it wasn't for Alabama playing them in the national championship game, they'd have beat every other team in the country. I mean, they almost beat Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> like, it took to a literally throwing a third and 26 touchdown. Yeah. That to Devonta Smith for that win. So, I'm not, yeah, that's what I'm not trying to give any discredit to Georgia or Florida or whatever, but they just always seem that to be the dominance has always been out of the West side of this, of the SEC. Yeah. And, but, it had and it has seemed in recent years to always be Nick Saban 
and his and the Alabama Crimson Tide. What I was what I was getting at is Nick Saban won the 2009, 2011, 2012 national championships. Like that's when we saw Alabama come to the forefront of the dynasty that they are. No, yeah, the only reason he lost 2010 was it was just a freaking Cam Newton, Cam Newton. God year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that is when I think we saw 100% Nick Saban, and now we've gotten back to that. Like I think Nick Saban got knocked off the pedestal a little bit by Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, but the mother he's back. <laughs> like Daddy is back, and, yeah. And it's getting it's going to be bad. Like it's going to be bad for college football until he retires, because I think he will continue to out recruit. It's one of those things where it makes me wonder, like, when you, you kind of see – if you follow college football enough, you see, like, these transitions of powers. You know, like, Clemson came out of nowhere and all of a sudden was just on the national stage. And Ohio State kind of came back. They were there, you know, in the early 2000s, but they've kind of had a resurgence. So it's like when you see Nick Saban getting back to his 100% recruiting, winning games, winning the championship, like, are you going to start seeing these other programs – start to suffer and all of a sudden kind of have their fall from grace now because they're not able to go in and steal that talent that they have been for the past five years. I think that that's kind of the same thing. And I understand this is two completely different sports, but kind of sort of the same scenarios. But UConn women's basketball has now kind of fallen off of their pedestal. Because Don Staley at South Carolina won the national champ. But now we're putting together a top five program. Mississippi State's putting yep. together yeah. NC State. Like all of a sudden you got these – other schools that all of a sudden they've been they've been slowly doing the grind and it's finally starting to pay off and, and UConn's kind of like oh shit we're kind of falling off now because their, their biggest thing was UConn always every year seemed to get three or four of the top twenty five all McDonald's All Americans or whatever more than yeah. that but they, it, they would they would pull four of the top ten kids every year yeah and so it wasn't like the other teams just couldn't do it it's just the prestige that went along with UConn women's basketball and what they were able to accomplish. That's where the girls wanted to go and play. And, and that, I think I think for a while, you know, 09 to 2012, the kids want to go and play for Nick Saban at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Then they got kind of got slapped in the face by Clemson. Now they wanted to go play for Clemson. Now Saban's like, look, we can still get it done. I'm still in the hunt. And now that I've won two here in the last four years, come, he, come he, play for he's, me again. He's shown no that. sign of quitting or letting us fill off the gas. He's like, listen, we're – I'm We're giving it 100% come, come for the next few Alabama, years. Yeah. You'll get you one. I promise you that. And it's yeah. kind of those things like, you know, with like you're saying, like women's basketball is like Don Staley was very well known in the women's basketball sport. Great college athlete. She played the professional league while coaching the college league, was the Olympic coach for a while, like came to Carolina was like, and, you know, the girls being recruited were like, yeah, Don Staley produces a great team, does great in the SEC year in, year out. But when it comes time to finally finish, just something happens. Well, then all of a sudden now she started finishing those games. She won the national championship. Mississippi State's been right there with us these past few years. Like these right. girls that are being recruited by UConn are now realizing it's not schools. just UConn or bust now. Yeah, there are other schools out there that can. And I think, yeah, I think they're starting to finally realize that in that level that there are other schools that we can go and be part of and can compete. And I think that's what we saw kind of through this mid 2010s area, era, where kids were like, I can go to a Georgia, an LSU, an Ohio State, a Clemson. Yeah. And we can put together this team. And as long as the right coaching staff is there, like, we can put together a team and compete for a national championship. You it's it's no more, I've got to go here or I'm not winning a national. Yeah. You know, 
there are there are chances elsewhere. He's like, look, I understand. I got slapped in the mouth maybe once or twice now. He goes, but that don't mean I'm not going to be in the hunt for it. Yeah. He goes, I'm. My teams are still there. My my boys are dogs. We're going to fight for it. And I think you know you saw that. Like I said in these past, how long did uh, CFP's been? Out? Four years, five years. Yeah, 2014 was uh, the first, was year, first year. Football that's game. that's actually when I would say the slap in the face began was when Ohio State beat Alabama in the first round. I was say, wasn't Ohio – that was the year Ohio State won, yeah, it, wasn't State. it? They were the first one to win the playoff? Yeah, so, I mean, when, when he – you know, so in these last six years that kids have realized, you know, there are other schools that can compete. Yeah. But I think Alabama is now coming, like you're saying, back to this forefront of, it's no longer we got to reload. Or it's no longer we have to rebuild talent. Now nah, we lost one five star. I just bought in a better five star. Yeah. You know. So. You know. So it's kind of crazy this year. Like we're talking about, like teams that might have a fall from grace. Like LSU, Clemson, had, a, LSU had a fall from grace. Well, that's because they 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 won they won with a completely entire senior football staff and everyone yeah. graduated and left. Yeah, but I mean, this this that's. But you don't ever see that in Alabama, though. Like, it don't matter what it seems to be. It just seems to be like a reload of talent. It's you'll never – You'll see it this year. You'll, you'll, you'll see, see, out, see a rebuild? I, this is actually – this is this was the hot take that I had for this after, after I started thinking about it after the national championship game. If the Georgia Bulldogs are ever going to win a national title in the next five years, this is the year for them. Because Florida is struggling coaching staff-wise. They, they are actually like – Thinking of getting rid of Dan Mullen, they have already tried to burn Ty Grantham out of town as a defensive coordinator. They're losing Kyle Trask. They're losing a lot of seniors on the offensive line. They're losing a lot of guys on defense, and they're losing their talent as far as the wide receiver core goes. Florida will be down, right? Tennessee's been kicked in the nuts by scandal and new coaching staff. South Carolina is horrific. Missouri's not very good. Kentucky will be number two in the East maybe this year. Who knows? We'll see. They got they got some talent coming back for them, so we'll see. Alabama is going to lose their starting running back, two of their starting receivers, two yeah, two of their starting receivers, their top quarterback, and several of their offensive line, including their center and left tackle, and most of their defense. So, and Clemson, and then you look over Clemson. Clemson's losing literally almost everything. Travis Etienne. You got some wide receivers that I think have, have decided to go into the draft. You know, you're losing. It's also the, it's all the it's also the first time they've lost two games since 2017 when they they lost in the Sugar Bowl like they did this year. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is the time for you're going to see this power. Switch. You're going to see a change in power once a, again. Not a change in power, but a one year where there's With going to be else. some very uncertainty out of the top programs like Ohio State again. Losing way the top corner, losing their top outside linebacker, losing their top pass rusher, losing their top quarterback, their top offensive lineman at, at, at uh, Wyatt at the guard, and then you know their top receiver at Olave or Alalove or whatever his name was. So, um, most of the powerhouse programs, the three programs that I said had any chance of a national championship this year, are going to see an atrocious amount of turnover in the football. I mean, I wouldn't even say a decline of talent. It may be a decline. But a young, a young program. It's certainly a decline of experience. Yes. 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 A young program potentially. It's a turnover. So for Georgia, when you have JT Daniels, you'll have Samir White, you'll have Dalvin Coates on the brother. You got some young receivers that were talented and improved it this year. This would be the year if you're Georgia Bulldog. I mean, this is your year you gotta take your shot, man. Georgia's Georgia so far has got the number four recruiting class coming in too. As well. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to lose Tyson Campbell. I mean, he's going to go to the NFL. But 
uh, as far as the outside, he's a, their number one corner. And uh, and Richard LeCount the third, the safety is gone as well. But, I mean, they, they this is Georgia's chance because of the amount of experience they'll bring back as well as how talented their program is. So so my, my final question that I actually took away from this was mentally, I'll tell you where I were mentally. Like everybody has been talking about how the playoffs should expand. Should we go to six? Should we go to eight? Should we just go to 16? Like, you know, should we take out, should we play, just like they did this year, just play all conference schedules and then the playoffs, you know, you take out two or three games in the regular season or maybe even take out the championship games because of the championship games for every conference have kind of actually declined TV rating wise. You know, should we should we turn it over into, you know, a, a bigger college football playoffs? My mentally, I I told myself and I told Devin this too when he started laying bets, there was three teams this year that had a chance to win an actual championship. It was Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. LSU lost too much talent. Georgia didn't know who the their quarterback was going to be for a long time. Um, you know, I didn't think that Florida was going to make the jump. I didn't think they had enough talent yet to make that jump. And of course, Texas and Oklahoma are always overrated and don't bring a defense to the playoffs. So I felt like there was only three teams that could have won it anyways. So, you know, should we expand the playoffs? I guess is my it's, it has to by I now. This COVID season really showed that. Well, not only that, but I think uh, what was it? Two years ago now, where Auburn was a three-loss team, but they beat Georgia and Alabama back-to-back weeks where they were both ranked number one. Is that two years ago? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, what? Mm-hmm. what? Well, I know what you're talking about. Was that? I thought like that was the last year. Actually. Yeah, I thought it was this past it year. Is last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, Alabama was without two, and they lost with Mac Jones. Yeah. So I'm yeah. Like, you. You're also not like a year that like what like, coastal coastal Carolina goes undefeated. But gets snubbed on bowl games to a three-loss Florida team and stuff like that. Like, you have these group of five teams that are going undefeated. Like, what did Cincinnati make give them a New Year's Six bowl? They did, and they barely lost to Georgia with the field goal. Yeah. You and I watched that. Game. Yeah. So, so I think I Cincinnati. Think Cincinnati was giving Georgia everything in that game, dude. Yeah. But I think Georgia I, barely pulled I that mean, one I off. Think there was a couple teams every year that, depending on if if we had a wider a six to eighteen playoff. I think would make it with a potentially two losses because maybe sometimes that second loss is in in the in their conference championship game or either you know a late week um a, a late season loss to in this case say if it was Georgia um Georgia Florida say they meet late late season Georgia wins and knocks Florida out you know of the SEC championship because then in that what it came down to was a late season win for Georgia. Yeah. I mean, you've got like you've got teams like hell. You forget Louisiana Lafayette had they went ten and one. Yeah. Coastal Carolina BYU went eleven and one. There were there were five group of five teams this year that were actually pretty darn good. Yeah. And Lafayette, Liberty, Coastal, BYU, and Cincinnati. And I think all five of those teams. It's never going to happen in a sense, but I would love to have seen. Hell, San Jose State went seven and one. I mean, granted, you look at the teams they play at, but they play in a depleted whack now. They didn't even yeah. have Hawaii or Boise State in that thing anymore. Uh, but I just like I think I, I would have loved to seen. I would have loved to seen all five of those teams. Like Cincinnati went up against Georgia. Thought it was a great matchup. Great matchup. I would have loved to have seen Liberty play Florida. Lafayette played. Uh, Texas, right? 
Um, you know, so I see them go up against some power five teams in the bowl game. I just think we've gotten to the point where bowl games don't mean anything for power five programs. If like power five programs in general, like I think Georgia literally went into that game against Cincinnati, just really not caring. And Cincinnati went in there with everything to prove. And that gave them an advantage in the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Because I think for the Power Five schools, it's it's now either I mean the playoffs, playoffs right off the yeah yeah make the playoffs really doesn't matter right that's why we saw people like for many many years Leonard Fournette Christian McCaffrey uh, you know people that were highly rated draft picks just sit out of their bowl game because they were playing in a pointless bowl game yeah and that's why people you know you you don't see Trevor Lawrence or anybody do that anymore because they're playing in the college football playoffs. It's, it's almost oh, – uh, my mic's off. off. Yeah. yeah, It's almost like you can look at college basketball with, you know, 64, 64 teams in the tournament, but how often do you hear about star players sitting it out? Never. Because Never. they realize they have got their shot to actually go out and prove something. Yeah. Even if they're the 16th and, seed, and they know like that they have the opportunity to upset somebody. Is a weird, weird sport. Yeah, anything can be anything can happen. Hell, I mean, you can almost say football's like that. Football, you, you just catch a team on the off days. But I mean, but if I say, "Hey, Alabama," definitely basketball is more weird. I get you're saying go go be or go and play. In this case, let's go say, "Hey, let's go play the Citadel." I don't care if the Citadel catches Alabama on an off day. We're not going to beat them. Yeah, talent wise, they're just that much better than they are. You know. Yeah, but if you told the Citadel that it was a playoff game, it, it don't matter. But the Citadel players would give 110%, would they not? Probably, but I still don't think it would matter. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I, but, but what I'm getting at is people don't out. sit out and they yeah. actually give their all. And you actually see teams go out there and create good games because they're it's do or die for them. Yeah. Alabama would – the point would be that Alabama would give 100% versus the Citadel, right? Because that's the bigger, better team with more talent and the guys that are going to the NFL – and well, if even, and even if it was a bowl game and they're like, it, this doesn't matter. So even if I sat my post, if my entire starting 22 said, hey, I'm not playing because 19 of us are going to the you know NFL, their next 22 that step up. Yeah, but those line, those pointless thinking, bowl games don't do anything for the, the underdog because they're like, it, it doesn't do who, ca- who cares who cares if we win this All-State Sugar Bowl or something but, like that because like, it doesn't starting, do anything for my career. But in my starting 22 at that Power 5 school, well, group of five school. If those starting twenty two is like it don't matter if I'm going up against their starting lineup or their backup lineup. If I go out giving my all and show scouts whoever's watching that hey, this kid's actually pretty damn good. But that power five school comes out and it just looks like a day school lazy. You just clearly need to you know. To me, as if I was a scout recruit whatever, and I went and saw that, I'd be like. This guy doesn't care because he thinks it's a pointless game. Yeah, but so right. I don't care if, if my team's two and two and fourteen, and it doesn't matter if I win this game or not. Guess what? I'm still probably finishing. I'm I'm gonna finish last, but I would expect my guys to still give me a hundred percent. Yeah, but you're still seeing players on Power Five schools sit out because sit out because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah, to them it doesn't because they're going into that. Yeah, that's that's my point. Is that if, if you made if you made so pointless? Yeah, that. You are seeing talent, like you're just seeing games being played just for the hell of it. For the hell of it. And there, some, uh, some of these bowl games are not making that much money, and that's their problem. It, yeah. That's but what. But if you if you put, but for some guys like Cincinnati guys, like they're probably not getting as much recognition as some of the Georgia guys. So if they go out and put out a show in that game, now all of a sudden maybe their draft stock actually go up. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's cool. But it, again, it doesn't do anything for college football. I'm not. 
I'm not knocking Cincinnati or Georgia. Like, I'm not blaming Georgia players for sitting out, and I'm not knocking Cincinnati guys for giving 125% trying to beat Georgia to make the program look better and these players have a better chance of going to the NFL. I'm just saying from a college football standpoint, it's not doing us any good, right? If I want the best matchup possible between those two teams, that has to be a playoff game. Because Georgia players both, are both simply teams are going to give 110 percent. Exactly, Georgia players are simply not going to give that much effort if they're playing in a bowl game versus a playoff game. Yeah, they could be. And they could be 11 and one playing in a bowl game against a, you know, a eight and three or whatever, and they're just not going to care because they're like, hey, in six months from now, I'm going to be at you know wherever the draft. Be, yeah, I'm going to be at the next level wherever the draft. I'm going to be getting that phone call. Yeah. So I'm not going to get injured. I'm going to go home. I'm going to do workouts and start preparing for the combine. Yeah, and, and that's but if that's a playoff game, they're like, hey, this is an opportunity to show the world they screwed us over by giving us such a low seed or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they're going to try and win. And if there's a possibility of them winning a national championship, both teams are going to give 100%. And that's why I don't, I don't think it's going to do any better for college football. I still think you're going to have the big three between Ohio State. I mean, really big four, whatever, between Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and, and Clemson. But I do think it'll be better for college football if we just accept the fact that we need to move to a playoff structure and get rid of some of these bowl games. I don't mind using the bowl game facility for the games. I mean, I don't think that's a bad idea in general. Yeah, it could be right? like, you know, the first round presented by all – it could be the Sugar Bowl and the semifinals, something like that. The Keep the names or, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Keep the sponsors and all that, but you've got to make that game – mean something. Yes. Yes. Or present the opportunity to continue on the season and then go to higher levels. and. You know, because actually you pursue a national championship. At the same time, then you can't. I don't think you can play a twelve-week season. You can't. No. Well, no. That's well. Then go to what we did this year. Do nothing but in conference. Do a um, ten-week. Do a ten, ten-week season, and it, and even that, you can have. I think you can two out of conference teams. This is going to be kind of controversial, but I think you can actually get rid of the conference championship games because I think less and less people are watching conference championship games unless your team is in it. Right, like, did any of us watch the Alabama and, and Florida? Um, I mean, I think I called called part of it. Right? Did you watch any other conference championship games? No, exactly. Right. Well, I saw I mean, Clemson dismantle whoever they played. Who was it? Miami. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Oh yeah. Yeah, they played. They played Notre Dame. So, um, I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, like you. College football itself cannot survive if you actually take away the non-conference FCS games that each team typically plays. So, yeah, you could – I mean –